Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Mothman. There's no need to feel down, I said. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Was that John Keel? <laughs> yeah, this is the John Keel band. Uh, he has a beautiful singing voice, just have to say. <laughs> we also have Bill Graham. Just wondering how you make the H in Mothman with the uh, bot. <laughs> I feel I, you know, uh, I'm going to send you a link, works. Bill. I'm going to I'm going to oh, well, send you a I, link because there is know, an I animation say, on YouTube. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> of little tiny silhouetted moth people who are making the word moth. And there is I, an I H. I feel like they have wings, so they they cheat. They <laughs> <laughs> don't cheat. They're using they their skills properly. Yeah, a spider isn't cheating when it weaves a web. Oh, okay. Okay. No matter but, what like, the I'm, flies may think. I guess I guess I'm asking for me. How do I make an H? But also, I guess I I bypass the obvious. How do I make an M? I'm, I mean, yeah. You get, YMCA. They, there's an M in it. It's already there. There is an, there is an M. Okay, so I just make. I, I act like I have shoulder pads. That's right. Okay. We have right. to talk about the Mothman for 400 hours, and we are wasting time with you trying to figure out how to make an M with your hands. Oh, that's right. We're talking about the Mothman prophecies. And so in order to do that, we brought in the expert. It is, of course, bisexual self-proclaimed cryptozoologist, <laughs> Mary Beth Andrews. Mary Beth, welcome back. Oh man, I'm so excited to be here. My brand is strong. Mothman is my favorite, and I cannot wait to talk about this. I um, I'm super excited that we're doing this. Uh, we were saying before we began recording, nothing makes me happier than when we make a joke on this podcast and then, through magical thinking, will it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> you can... It's almost like Mothman knew. And he was bringing it to life. <laughs> I know. Uh, how many of us have seen red eyes in a seven to eight foot tall figure with wings standing outside of our homes? I mean, not sober. <laughs> <laughs> well, see here, Michael, that that brings up the question. When you lose your sobriety, are you, in fact, opening doors of perception in your own mind that allow you to access Ooh. the mirror world that lays on top of what we perceive as quote unquote reality? I mean, I would like to rationalize drinking <laughs> as opening another dimension and opening my third eye, but I kind of think that's horseshit. <laughs> yeah, because we all know when you get too drunk, you actually have to close one eye in order to actually see straight. Th there you go. So you're we not opening a third eye. You're closing one of the two that you've already got. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the episode. If you already are not having fun, please turn off your podcast now. <laughs> It is not going to get better from here. Oh, oh, boy. We are talking about 2002's The Mothman Prophecies from director Mark Pellington, um, based on the novel by John A. Keel. Uh, this movie stars Richard Gere and Laura Linney. 
before we get into that, all the usual stuff. Um, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us, podcast, The Film Stage Show. Give us a comment or rating on iTunes. And, of course, you can become a patron of this here podcast by going to patreon.com slash The Film Stage Show. We are also brought to you by Mubi, which is a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi's fabulous curators bring you a brand new film to watch and enjoy. You have 30 days to check it out, so that's a 30-day rotating selection of great films to watch. Some great additions to the platform. I want to highlight one in particular, Songs My Brothers Taught Me. This is by director Chloe Zhao, who just won the Golden Lion at Venice and People's Choice Award at TIFF for her latest film, Nomadland. Zhao's first feature is a similarly beautiful and mencolic portrait of life on the fringes of American exploitation, impressively brought to life by its non-professional actors. So if you, like me, are super excited for Nomadland, catch up on some of Zhao's back catalog on Mubi right now, you can get a free 30-day trial by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that number, that number. I listened to three and a half hours of Coast to Coast AM today. You made it through the whole thing. Yeah, I had to listen to the whole thing. Coast to Coast AM is an American institution. It's true. Um, but there's like 700 different numbers. That's the best part. Michael, I'm so pissed off that you didn't listen to this. I'm sorry. Because they're like, west of the Rockies, call this number. East of the Rockies, call this number. You know, international lines, call your AT&T operator and have them dial this number, or you can call the wildcard line, at, and it's just like 14 I've, different I've ways. To, I've listened to a shit ton of, like, AM radio. I've mm-hmm. never listened to this. I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you about. awake between the hours of 1 and 5 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time? Not listening to the fucking radio. This no. is a but show. It gets 3 million listeners an episode about, or a week, I think. I mean, it's it's big. It's crazy big. Um, used to be Art Bell. Now it's George Norrie. Anyway. Um, Do they have a podcast? You can listen to them online, yes. <laughs> I don't know that they release each episode as a podcast, but uh, probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're brought to you by Coast to Coast AM. As I was saying, uh, go to the <laughs> URL, mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial movie. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. <laughs> now I'm looking at Coast to Coast's website, and their latest episode is about Sasquatch Mysteries, and I need to listen to that immediately. So. I, yeah, obviously. I mean, we should just... I would... Okay, this is a new life goal. We need to create a Coast to Coast AM competitor. Yes. Okay. Yes, I was. I, I should have clarified. Uh, you and me, Mary Beth, and yeah. uh, Michael and Bill. You can come on every now and then. Yes, it and good. <laughs> just laugh at stuff. I guess. Yes. Very awesome. excited. Great. Perfect. Um, <laughs> for people who listened to the last episode, uh, Mary Beth has not yet sent any marmalade to my distillery. The long con. <laughs> the long con. You least expect get it. A palette. How like two I years, it's gonna show up. And you're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> now I'm even Guys, more terrified. I I have 18 tabs open about the Mothman, and I still don't get it. It's okay, so 
I before okay. yeah before we get into the review, <laughs> I feel like we need to just like put some disclaimers up front. This it's first of all, it's October. I was not here last week. Happy October, everyone. My dog is spooky doing great. Season. It is spooky season, so we're doing the Mothman prophecies to fulfill the joke that we made uh, again through magical thinking. We have willed it into reality. Um, Hopa. <laughs> It's a, it, okay, is, I was I was gonna ask. What, what <laughs> sorry, yeah. this Call is not back. a tulpa. The Mothman, however, may be a tulpa. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it uh, later on in the the month. We'll have another scary movie with another great guest that everyone's gonna be super excited about. And um, so yeah, we're we're talking about the Mothman prophecies. So this is gonna be nuts because we got to talk about this movie. The Mothman prophecies, uh, starring Richard Gere and Laura Linney. But then we also have to talk about the Mothman. Which necessitates that we also talk about John Keel, uh, the Men in Black, Tulpas again, uh, UFO phenomena, <laughs> and the the possibility of the M-Brain theory of the universe and uh, trans-dimensional warnings from people beyond our space and time. So, what the fuck did I agree to? <laughs> I don't... This was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah, and I almost just fell off my chair, which seems like karma... <laughs> The Mothman is watching me, obviously. This is this is an episode almost purely for Mary Beth and I, and I am super excited mm-hmm. for it. Yes, this is exactly it. And you guys can just listen to us rave. It's about- going to be amazing. Um, so it's going to be a crazy mixed up episode. I feel like we need to talk about the movie a little bit as an end to everything else. Because I, I just like Michael Snydell before the episode began, asked a bunch of questions about the movie that need to be answered through conversations about the Mothman in again, quote unquote reality. Uh, so let's uh, let's let's just do it. Let's get to do it. Let's, plow let's get it done. Headlong into this uncertain night, and um, let's talk about uh, the Mothman prophecies. And we will, of course, begin uh, by playing a section of the trailer. See what? She knew. She was drawing angels. I traveled 400 miles. I've got no memory. Past few months, people have been coming. All right. So that is part of the trailer for the Mothman prophecies. The I love that they used Massive Attack for that trailer. It was the early 2000s. Massive Attack was <laughs> no, everywhere. I, no, I know. But Massive like, Attack was yeah, in an episode totally of The West play. Wing. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> no way. Pretty sure that it's what uh, Bartlett's daughter gets kidnapped to. Okay. Sorry. Super excited that that got a laugh. Uh, <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, the Mothman prophecies, uh, which, again, I just need to keep saying this. This movie's from 2002. I had a deep memory of this being like a late 90s thing, <laughs> which will like factor into my review of the movie itself, actually. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it. We begin, of course, with our guest, Mary Beth. What are your thoughts on the Mothman prophecies? And I would also like to say, this is a classic episode. We're full spoilers up front, baby. Full spoilers up front. Yep. Um, I don't like this movie. (laughs) Okay. All right. We're starting in a good place. (laughs) But there's, okay. But there's like a lot of like, it's not even 
like filmmaking or or like performances. I mean, that's part of it, but like I'm really mad about how Mothman's barely in it and like oh, okay, some okay. Of, some of the Ooh. things they get wrong and like because I already knew this movie was not going to be great. But I've latched onto it because I love the Mothman prophecies by John Keel. And yes, I do believe in the Mothman. Um, and so this movie was kind of a disappointment for a, a lot of reasons. But also, just as a fun side note, when I was, um, when I was, how old was I? I think I was like nine when this came out. And so the trailers played and I was so terrified. I thought it was going to be like the scariest movie of all time. Um, I was wrong. It's not. It's not at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. Nope. All right. I, I, because of Michael's <laughs> reaction, I just now need to know. Michael Snydell, what did you think of the Mothman prophecies? Okay, so I think this is this is like a fascinatingly terrible movie. Uh, it's <laughs> like a, a kernel of something that I think is really interesting. And I'm not sure whether that's a personal thing that I find interesting, but I really like movies about trying to process the impossible. And I think it's even more interesting when they're not only an outsider, when it's like multiple people all having to reckon with experiencing things like this. And that's what I think is really interesting in here. The way that Point Pleasant is portrayed, the way that Will Patton's character handles things. And, you know, like some of it is, does get into like, is he insane or not? And some of that stuff. But like, for the most part, I found this oddly humane. It reminded me Actually, uh, did any of you watch the reboot of Unsolved Mysteries on, on Netflix? Yes, I from did. From last year? You, you did? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, the last episode, I think it's the last episode of that season, is a UFO abduction episode. It is the best episode of that season, and I waited I, so I, long for it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, like, I liked that season, but that last one, like... I was really, really impressed with. And I mention that because I think at its best, this movie reaches for some of that. Now, <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, what the fuck happened here with casting? What the fuck happened here with <laughs> directing? What happened with editing? What happened with pacing? So like, all right, I love Richard Gere. He is not right for how Pellington directs this movie. Pellington is through and through a music video director. Like, the amount of B-roll, just bleary streetlights in this movie. Every time someone I'm runs crazy. somewhere, it is filmed from far away with a long lens, and it's it's like overlaid with two other different frames of just scenery moving. No, and like, some of it is... Oh, I'm sorry, Mary Beth. Go ahead. And don't forget the ridiculous close-ups on all red lights, just in case you didn't. Well, there's a theme, no. you see, of the Mothman <laughs> having red eyes. And so are we not surrounded at all times by things that could be seen to be red eyes? But like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think any of these elements, like, make sense together. I like Laura Linney. I like 
Richard Gere. I like Will Patton a lot. Mark Pellington, I think, is interesting. <laughs> He's done interesting music <clears throat> videos. I think parts of this are striking. I think it's so nonsensical, not even in a way like that I can't fathom a Mothman. I, I think the way that this film is put together to try to communicate some unknowable is is terrible. <laughs> it's just <laughs> totally inept. Um, and I think, I, I think probably its biggest sin though is like, I was kind of bored for a while, and then it would get me for a little while, and then it's like, oh, he's going back to DC. <laughs> like right when the movie starts to ramp up, he goes home for some reason. That <laughs> like this, I don't understand the pacing of this movie. I don't like the the set piece at the end of this movie is from a different movie like final I, destination baby yeah well, final destination five yeah particularly but yeah i don't i i want a book about how how all of these wrong choices were made and they were like yeah, this this makes sense if only this, at some point during production a mothman had shown up <laughs> told them how poorly this would all turn out. But but I want to, Mary Beth, I want to ask a real quick, because I asked you this uh, in DMs the other day. I was like, so there are a number of Mothman movies. There's some direct-to-video stuff, but oh, there's yeah. also some pretty huge documentaries, like one that's almost three hours that's getting a, a sequel this year, it sounds like. Yeah. And, yeah. Another doc and then like TV docs. Why this one did you <laughs> are you using as a jumping off point? Well, I think because it's mm, a good question. I mean, I let the thing is that I like seeing how it's interpreted through like a fictional lens because, yeah, the documentaries are all about the story and those are awesome. But what I'm really have been interested in, and I have a column for this actually with Daily Grindhouse where I look at how cryptids are interpreted into film. And that's really fascinating to me to see how, you know, people take these legends and put them on screen. And this one was especially fascinating because it is like adapted from the book about Moth the Mothman. Wait, Mary Beth, just to interrupt, is that calling all cryptids? I, I yes, calling all cryptids is my call. Yeah, Calling All Cryptids is my column for Daily Grindhouse where I look at movies. I looked at a bunch about Bigfoot. I've looked at a couple Mothman movies. Um, but I do fictional ones because I feel like those are more interesting to look at in terms of representation because the documentaries are like telling the story and like kind sure. of getting. But then these fictional films are fascinating to see like what pieces of the cryptids lore gets taken and interpreted and the truths that come out of that and the like and the not truths. And this one in particular is just fascinating because I've read the Mothman prophecies. I am fascinated with the high strangeness and all of this stuff. And so I, well, I was really curious to see because this feels like the definitive Mothman movie that people talk about when they talk about Mothman. Mm. And it makes me a little bit sad because it it had potential and then it just didn't and i think they were trying to make it more palatable for people it seems like but i really want to just see a movie about john keel i think I, that's what i want can mm. i just say how happy i am to be on a podcast where someone just said the term <laughs> high strangeness yeah <laughs> i just i'm 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 truly in a happy place right now I'm glad <laughs> 
usually if I pull out something like that with Michael and Bill here, it's just like I get the auditory equivalent of stared at until I just stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Flat Earth this time. Uh, Pixar, I'm sure, is going to make that movie for you, though. So... uh, what? We're just gonna have to wait for that. I, I can't remember what it That's was an, about Pixar. It it's an in joke. Michael just made an in joke with me and no one else on this episode about a tweet that he sent me. That was a joke I about did? the Pixar movie Soul. <laughs> No, so if anyone was wow. lost when he brought that up, that was, that's your that some, explanation. Some high key shit. High yes. key. <laughs> high high strangeness is what you're saying. That is not no. high strangeness. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Shut down. <laughs> okay. High strangeness is a, is a real term then. One hundred percent. Yes. Wild use. Hi. Oh man. Is that what use? Are, Cryptozoologist, isn't that how you said it? It's, it's yeah. So I'm sorry, it, I couldn't hear you. I thought you said biologist. I'm like, well, I don't know if biologist is the. Right I heard zoologist, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, like a polar bear with spots. <laughs> uh, no, so so high high strangeness is a concept in a lot of Fortean thought and uh, conspiracy thought and um, all other kinds of of weird uh, paranormal investigation that that it kind of defines. The, the concept of reality warping itself in ways that are there specifically to make you question reality. Okay. It's, you know, Mary Beth, if you disagree with my summation, please oh, let no me know. Way. So high strangeness. Um, I agree with that definition. And also what makes it even more fascinating is the fact that like a lot of the occurrences feel like they're, people doing them like so the the term men in black is one of these concepts and not men in black like will smith and tommy lee jones um men in black as men in suits who are trying to pass themselves off as human but there's some like telltale signs that there's something off so it's like a weird uncanny valley situation um where these figures that are considered like trans-dimensional beings are kind of coming into our world and doing things but like high strangers as a concept is like those kinds of things that aren't that are sort of supernatural but they feel more real i guess is how i kind of try to explain it to people and how it it's a harder concept to explain because it's like a really interesting like gut feeling and just feeling of dread rather than just like knowing something is a monster or knowing there's a creature in front of you interesting okay does that make sense brian yeah yeah absolutely i mean you don't have to ask me I know all about no, our strangers. Michael sure. Snydell, hey. does it make sense to you? <laughs> yes. So is it is it in a way like a like like a, a doppelganger type type thing? Like like something that's taking on the uh, It's not a doppelganger. Well, it's weird because you're saying it's uncanny valley, so it's somewhat taking on the appearance, but there's something off uh, about it i know that's a very vague term yeah. probably for so, i wouldn't say doppelganger because they're not taking they're not taking the the shape or face of pe- anyone people know it's not like okay. they're copying like a family member or a celebrity or anything they're more like it looks like they're wearing human suits um like the men in black are the big example where it's like their fingers seem a little bit weird and the way they speak is a little bit off or like they don't know how to use a telephone. Like they look like humans, but there's something a little strange about them. And they claim to be agents because they're in like black jackets, white shirts, but they have this really strange way of talking that feels 
un, like uncanny and bizarre. And so not doppelgangers, more like almost like it's not aliens, but aliens trying to pass themselves off as humans. Right. It's like it's like an obvious imposter. And the reason behind the obviousness is in some ways up for debate. It's either that they just they think so little of our consciousness. They're like, a, you know, people stringing out wooden ducks trying to get ducks so, to come and land or are they again trying to force you to think about reality and the unpossibility of them as a means of getting you to accept or further question the things that you have seen already they're they're the agents from the matrix no no they're like because the agents from the matrix like if you saw one of them walking down the street you'd be like oh shit that's just a guy who walks really straight yep. they're they're oh, okay. they're i guess you could almost say Oh, they don't talk funny. Like agent, they they just talk in clipped ways. I'm. This is more like the not to go to the movie, The Men in Black, but um, Edgar, the the bug wearing the Edgar suit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that level of of weird, just awfulness. Yeah, you're talking about is that the the first one, the the one that's the cockroach actually? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Denofrio. Okay. Where the skin okay. doesn't sit right, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and he, sugar he, he in just water. like walks. Yeah, he walks sugar. real funny. Water. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Vincent yeah, D'Onofrio in that movie that's does good. not. He should have won an Oscar. He really should he's have. Really good. Yeah, he's really. Good. <laughs> and one more thing about um, Men in Black is typically, um, from what I've read, they appear to people for a reason. So you're not just gonna like see one of them. They're either gonna contact They're you not or at a concert. No, they're not hanging out. They're not rocking out to the latest jams. They're not on TikTok. Um, they're not, you know, going to Starbucks. They are they're merely listening a... to Tom and Andy. No, I they don't might think be so. listening to Tom and Andy. They might, well, they might have. The movie might have turned them onto it or turned them off of it. I'm not actually sure. There but... are certain TikTok dances that I think the Men in Black would be really good at. I agree. I definitely agree. But they okay. basically will call you. They'll call. As you see in the Mothman prophecies, or they'll just appear. But again, they kind of appear rather purposefully in terms of like communication. It's not like Bigfoot; you see them walking through the woods, like, <laughs> and they freeze. Right? They, you you aren't going to come across them. They will seek you out. Yeah. Gotcha, um. Gotcha, here's gotcha. another question, Mary Beth. Are you on TikTok? Like, do you um, watch as, TikToks? I watch TikToks. I'm obsessed with TikToks. Okay, the this man is great. on TikTok is everything to me. You and I might have been separated at birth because for a while we had to have uh, a, a, a segment on each one of these podcasts called Brian Rowan Explains Some Bullshit from TikTok to Everyone. Yes. Oh, my God, Brian. We are. We were separated at birth. <laughs> I don't remember this. I don't remember being explained anything about TikTok. There was a, I had to explain like the concept of simping and there was something else on like TikTok centric. And I was like, yeah, Michael Snyder yelled at me for being on TikTok. I, I, you know what? I'm (laughs) not going to, let's go, let's go. Okay. Uh, I'm ready to speak about this movie. Okay. Wait, well, first we, (laughs) we, we truly have gotten all, all, we've already gotten into the weeds, but Michael, so do you feel that we have explained at least high strangeness in a way that is satisfactory to you that we can move on? Yes. For now, I at least. Think, yeah, I, I, I think maybe I wish I had a little bit of a baseline for some of these ideas. But I think what I'm definitely getting is we're talking a lot about already is the metaphysical, the, the wording I'm looking for here. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. things that are very 
consciously, uh, metatextually, like, asking you to, you know, second guess things and and things, which is interesting because I I feel like so much media uh, about this is about, you know, they don't want you to notice them. (laughs) Like, in a a way, I, I, I guess that's, uh, is that kind of I don't know I feel like everything I'm saying is going to lead to a rabbit hole but I don't <laughs> well, know if it's well, we, let's... high strangeness though that's the thing though because it's really hard to capture like and everyone not everyone but there's like a lot of debate about what certain things are and it's like it's so hard to define because it is so metaphysical it is it feels theoretical it is kind of dealing with things really outside of our understanding as humans so it is hard to kind of wrap your brain around it and talk about it. At least in my experience, it has been because no one I know knows about this and I talk about it all the time. Um, And so like trying to explain it to people, it's like, it's difficult because it's the feeling and like the experiences of high strangeness are so strange and difficult to kind of capture verbally and to kind of comprehend in our current state of brain. You become a raving lunatic very quickly when you start talking about this stuff because it takes (laughs) all of two minutes for you to go, you don't get it! (laughs) The men in black are coming for us! (laughs) Um, Oh god, they're making another sequel? (laughs) uh, So let's move on. Bill Graham, what are just focusing on the movie for a second again, what are your thoughts on the Mothman prophecies? So I remember seeing this a long time ago and thinking that it was very strange and (laughs) remembering that the Mothman was a huge part of it. And I watched this movie and I got about 45 minutes into it and I was like, okay, I got two (laughs) seconds of Mothman. Where the fuck is my Mothman? Um, right, he shows up to fucking try to murder Deborah Messing and then he just disappears for a while. Yeah, he's like, peace, job done. I'll see you in West Virginia, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> How many times has someone said those exact words to me? <laughs> see you in West Virginia, uh, motherfucker. Um, so, yeah, I actually really enjoyed watching it this time. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Michael mentioned on our Slack channel that he had to uh, break it up into two chunks. They couldn't even get through it uh, in one sitting. So I was like, oh man, okay, I'm preparing myself. And like, I I had to pause it a couple of times to deal with puppy shit, but um, not literal puppy shit. I was going to say literally. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, metaphor. Um, yes. No. Uh, she's over the shitting. Uh, the peeing. Uh, sometimes you ignore a whine for five seconds too late and then, and then she pees anyways. Um, (laughs) she's training you not to ignore her. Exactly. (laughs) Um, listen here, motherfucker. Uh, (laughs) she does it and looks at you and says, I'll see you in West Virginia. Um, so yeah, I was prepared for like a slow burn, something a little strange, uh, wasn't prepared for what I got though. Like, like really wasn't. Um, I, I still enjoyed the shit out of this movie because there is that nugget of like him, her trying to convince him and, and the other guy, I can't Klein. Is that his name? Why why do I keep fucking this up? Klein. Okay. So this Uh, is, this is actually funny. One of the reasons you might be fucking it up is because the book and the research and everything initially was done by John Keel 
who in this movie is turned into John Klein. Leak. But then no, also about- Alexander Leak, which is Keel okay. spelled backwards. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yep. Blow my brains out. Okay. Anyway. Um, uh, so yeah, I was I was prepared for some weirdness, and I still wasn't quite sure what I was going to get into. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy the aspect of like him having to like understand that these things exist. Right? He may not ever be able to prove that they exist. Um, there's too much like underlying a, they don't want to be proven that they exist because, and like, I just love this shit of him talking to the guy and being like, why can't they just explain it to me? And he's like, why don't you just explain shit to cockroaches? And he, (laughs) and the look on Richard Gere's face is just like, ah, fuck. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) And I was like, I had the exact same look. I was like, yeah, I get it. Okay, cool. Like, I'm into this shit. Uh, so, yeah, I'm into this shit just simply because of, like, the Mothman shit. Um, and just, like, the ideas around it and, like, all of that. Um, I do wish, that, you know, happy things for Laura Linney and Richard Gere in this movie. Um, I don't know. There's, there's like, a, a tension several times in this movie where they get real fucking close to each other's faces. <laughs> and I was like, are they? Will they? I don't know. There's that and, one extreme close-up, like, that's also a Dutch angle, <laughs> like, halfway yeah. through, when I was like, all right, chill with the camera. <laughs> God damn it, yeah. Pellington. <laughs> so yeah no uh i i enjoyed the energy i also enjoyed like the fact that like he's a big time reporter from the washington post that's like stumbled onto this small town and because of his connection through his wife he's like taking shit seriously i think it michael mentioned it like there's just a, a certain level of humanity here that really kind of pulls through through uh through Lenny's character as well, where she's just like, no, I like, they don't come to me because I'm a cop. They come to me because they know me. I grew up here, you mm-hmm. know, and everybody knows me. And so like this person isn't fucking crazy. They just saw some weird shit. Like, haven't we all seen some weird shit from time to time and, you know, would like to have someone that actually believed you. So yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, aspects of this movie but i mean like like honestly like i i sat down and watched this and i was like i enjoyed that like well that's two and good. a half stars out of, <laughs> out of five <laughs> i am um, i have a memory of the build-up to this movie being immense <clears throat> i remember like tv specials on the mothman i remember like fx not not the television channel but like uh movie special effects things about how they did the bridge. I mean, like, this uh, is... A, that must have been the only thing they did for the <laughs> Yeah, I think it was, like... It, it was, like, one of those... This, mo- this post-Matrix motherfuckers, like, what is going on here? Anyway, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. That, I remember the build-up to it being big, and I remember going to see it, I think, like, on one of those weird group dates that you go on. Um... But somehow I didn't, still didn't remember that it came out in 2002. Because thinking of this movie, it is very much like a late 90s kind of movie. 
Um, sure. It's directed by Mark Pellington, who did uh, Arlington Road, which is a movie that I remember liking, but now who Ooh. knows? Um, I, also, the infamous "I Melt with You," which I which I've heard is like uh, the, the a movie with with uh, Jeremy Piven. And I, I don't know, it's like four douchebags in Las Vegas. And I've heard it described as one of the most insufferable, <laughs> pretentious things anyone Tom has Jane, ever Tom Jane, Rob Lowe, Jeremy Piven. <laughs> he also apparently Dude, directed Rob. a movie called Nostalgia, yeah. which was written by Alex yeah, Ross Perry. By so Alex Ross Perry. Clearly this man is my enemy. <laughs> um, but... So I, I I am mixed on this movie. I think ultimately it doesn't work, but there's a couple things that I want to highlight. First of all, I like the fact that it does attempt to bring in some of these higher concept M brain kind of concepts and ideas that we've talked about. Um, you know, trans dimensional time hopping, you know, unknowable consciousness type things that it didn't just turn the mothman into a a scary monster uh which is not a slasher at all which you could totally see a movie like this becoming that there are mothman movies that are like slashers and they're terrible and i have seen them and they're not Uh, worth it right because i I was definitely looking at those on amazon and i was like oh no and i think there's there's one that i was reading about that sounds like i know what you did last summer except the bad guy is the mothman I think it's just called Mothman. I think it's a sci-fi original movie. I think uh-huh. that you what that movie should be called is I Know What You Will Do Next Summer. Because <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. Oh, See you in West Virginia, motherfucker. Um <laughs> influenced by the Mothman. I, I know we shouldn't talk about that because the guy's fucking pedophile. I don't think Jeepers that... Creepers is influenced all by the Mothman. But no. the creature kind of looks like some of the I don't renderings I, I all right i like offended all of you <laughs> the mothman is more than just his corporeal form which actually works in this movie's favor when they they just kind of don't show him um now here's the thing the movie also i think pellington's direction works to an extent during certain scenes and moments but that in general the movie doesn't earn any of the paranoia that it's trying to build up. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it, for some reason gives one of its two John Keel insert characters, a tragic backstory with his wife that, that takes up a large amount of the front of the movie and then kind of is weirdly inserted every now and then. And it's, I think that they should have like really narrowed their focus a bit and, and leaned more into this because the movie everything about it is telling you like whoa paranoia i don't know what's going on someone knows something but it's just hard to really feel that in a meaningful way given almost everything that happens in the movie um it's i can't i can't decide why he does most of the things that he does uh gears character of klein it's it's just it, it, it like they they contrive this whole like i was driving to Virginia and I ended up in West Virginia and not the part of West Virginia that's close to where I was, but the one that's like on the Ohio river, like right, literally right across the river from Ohio, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. It adds a lot of shit to this movie that is not necessary. I think it would be more interesting if it was just the, (laughs) the actual story I'll say with scare quotes around it, 
where he was just a guy and this was like his beat and he wrote about weird stuff and he got drawn yeah. into this place and he uh he found something that he couldn't explain yeah i agree yeah i think that all of the additions of deborah messing and and everything like that is is pretty terrible um i think that it, it hobbles think- the movie in a way it can't recover from do you think maybe though they wanted gear? I, I mean, they wanted someone who was kind of a, a not a layman, sorry, so, someone who's totally unfamiliar with this type of world. Like, if you had a writer who writes about paranormal stuff, you're immediately kind of having an other as a lead character, and I feel like it no longer has that possible like uh mainstream appeal well i think you could get away with that if you had him be like a schlock writer who knew everything was schlock you know yeah i was gonna say that i was like it would be awesome he's a journalist who like heard about this story and was like and he writes for something like the 14 times or something strange like that and is like okay i'll go report on it but like who knows if it's real and then Mm discovers the reality of it because i think that would make more sense than having this weird narrative about a wife with brain cancer and <laughs> two years later like and then two years later he goes to point pleasant it's just like the two year later time gap is very strange and yeah so it's, it's super strange <laughs> and also it, it it just i think that it also brings up questions that the movie can't reconcile and and the movie tries yeah. to use the unknowability of the mothman itself um, to get around that, but that you can take so much of that in a movie. Like, why are these creatures or these beings or these entities congregating around these places where tragedies happen? Why are, are they trying to warn us? Do they just feed off of the like negative energy of like, you know, leading up to one of these things? Like, are they, Yeah, I just beat a demon like that in the Witcher. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very happy that you ended that by naming a video game because I was about to be very concerned. But like, yeah, you know, so it's like, are they, are they like, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, pre-vulture feeding off of the buildup of energy pre-dating a disaster? Or are they actually trying to warn us? Like that kind of unknowability is great. But the question of why did the Mothman murder this man's wife randomly one night? Um, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I mean, he, okay, yes, he didn't. He did, I like to say that he murdered his wife, but no, they got him in a car accident that then revealed a myoblastoma. But like again, if even the fact that the Mothman's like, yo, three hundred people are going to die in Ecuador. Also, there's going to be a bridge collapse here that kills thirty people. Like, but also, I'm going to cause a car crash so that you know your wife is going to die of a myoblastoma. Like. Apparently, the Mothman's concept of the the enormity of tragedy moves from anywhere between one and three hundred people. <laughs> like that's just the kind of question that like this movie shouldn't have to deal with. And I know they have Richard Gere ask those questions, like "Why me?" But like it really does seem almost like she just accidentally almost hit a Mothman one time, and it's like yes. <laughs> it's yeah. like if you almost well, hit a deer it, and then you were. Like the- the the burns on the car and stuff like that and you're right just like, on the tree oh did, did did she like full-on like hit this motherfucker like what, what the hell yeah so i think that that's maybe a that's problem. why he's pissed I, 
<laughs> That's why he's Mothman fucking with John Keel. Mean. Mothman is an ambivalent being. <laughs> right. It is, it is at best unknowable yeah. and at worst yeah. completely uninterested. <laughs> we, we definitely established that, like, you know, the, the reason that now all of a sudden they're they're kind of setting his their sights on him is because he's noticing them. Right. But like, again, two years later. Sure. It's not yeah. like he's at the funeral and sees a Mothman. Is that time gap in relation? I, I, I'm just curious. Are any of these strange contrivances we've mentioned in relation to the original story, and or sorry, the original novel by Keel and awkwardly pigeonholed here? No, because there's like no part in the book about his wife or any kind of like personal connection. It was more like he had heard about it and was going to investigate and he, he purposefully went to Point Pleasant. It wasn't like a weird... Okay. L- let, me, let me ask something real quick. So um, I'm a dum-dum. I don't know anything about this book. Is this a fictional book or is no. this... No. So, this is a recounting of Keel's versions of events. Yeah, so this is the book okay. he wrote about his documenting all of the things that happened in Point Pleasant leading up to the collapse of the bridge. So, so and, it's not a narrative. Like they didn't, they didn't adapt this from his, or he didn't adapt this from his own book. He just created a narrative. Yeah. So basically, it's all of his notes and all of the things and interviews um, with people from Point Pleasant, and him mm. also defining the term men in black and kind of going into some of the bigger concepts around high strangeness. This was like the first one of the first books that really go into that topic. Interesting. That's it. It seems like such an like more than anything, I'm fascinated by like who who gave the green light to this, because it sounds like if he's kind of a progenitor of this kind of thing, Right? Am I using that word right? I think. Yeah, I think, I think you are. So. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you are. I, I assuming that you mean words. the guy who's like brought it into existence and began it. Yes. Yeah. There yes. you go. <laughs> um, and so considering he's that person, right, which is kind of niche, right? I would say, uh, especially at this time point, right? Um, pre like hardcore internet era, right? Uh, pre Reddit and shit like that. Um. I think it sounds fascinating that someone was like, hey, you should adapt your own book into a feature-length narrative film, and uh, we'll get Richard Gere and uh, Laura Linney to... Well, I mean, he didn't write the book, or the book. He didn't write the movie. The movie was written by someone named Richard Hatton. Yeah. I thought thought he adapted it. Nope. Oh. Okay. Never he mind. was supposed to. So again, I listened to the coast to coast interview with him. He was apparently supposed to have a cameo, but had a, an issue with his eye and had oh. to go to the doctor. And so they weren't able to. How do funny it. because Mothman gives you issues with your eyes. I know. <laughs> I know. Almost as though the Mothman were trying to keep him away. Um, so that's a, that's a big question. You guys want to hear some. It was a disaster. <laughs> Yes, Michael, some give us some trivia. trivia about Richard Haddam. Uh, I, I found this the other out this, this out the other day. Christ. Uh, so he co-wrote Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, whatever, with writer, director, and producer Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves of Cloverfield, uh, Felicity, and uh, the Planet of the Apes movies. What? <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. So, so Matt Reeves did what on that movie? He co-wrote Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. And produced it. Yes. 
Okay, I, I thought crazy. I was about to say, did he direct it? And I was like, I, I thought Cloverfield was like directing <laughs> the debut. Maybe, maybe that would have been yeah, Under like Siege a Two was an Alan it. Smithy thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, he he's getting false credit for that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Um, I will, and then I'll say so that we've already talked about how the directorial style, the directorial style of this movie does not in any way do it any favors i will say that the 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 much parodied or referenced chapstick scene i think (laughs) that the direction actually suits that scene's level of paranoia and i actually do think that the bridge collapse is a a very compelling moment in this movie it's just very disjointed that's what i would say about the bridge collapse it it comes like I, the way that it's revealed that it's not the governor's. Oh man, we didn't even get into this. I, the, the fact that it's <laughs> we don't have to. People have seen this. No, I, I I know, but like that is something that also takes up a weird amount of the movie. As in, like it's call. It, it becomes a callback, and then like um, right because he I, thinks I, the I, chemical I, plant's going to explode, and he tries to get the governor not to go there. He has to have at some point during this movie lost his job, correct? Yes. Oh. Yes, I have. To- okay, thank God. I, I also want to know why would Laura Linney, if she knew he was a reporter from the Washington Post, why in the world would she agree to help him as much as she does? Because she's know. concerned about her town and she's happy that someone's uh, taking an interest? Because you would trust a Washington Post reporter? Jesus Christ, Michael, what do you watch, Fox News or something? What's going on? (laughs) What's going on? (sighs) All right, Okay. You can't trust the MSM? Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't believe that cop would trust a reporter. I just don't. Ow. Jesus, I don't know who you're being worse to right now, cops or reporters. (laughs) The Mothman. Definitely the Mothman. In a movie about the Mothman, your incredulity is spiked by the fact that a cop and a reporter are working together. Uh, Honestly? Men in black. Men in black. Interesting. Doing doing weird shit. So, so yeah. uh, So, we all have varying degrees of, of feelings about this movie. I I just again it it is weird to me and it, it's almost it's almost heartening to me that they allow the movie to get into the weirdness and lore of of Mothman as much as they do because it is again very easy to conceive of this as just a creature feature and um I like the fact that they uh they don't do that that they actually attempt to read into it a little more but I do feel that Again, I don't know what I don't know what John Klein's arc is in this movie. Like <laughs> he sort of finally gets over his wife, I guess. No, like, like raise of hands. Who thinks he's he has like a romantic relationship with Laura Linney? They've got I, natural raising, chemistry, but I don't I'm know if my hand. Mainly because that's just what I want for him. I want I want him to be happy. And she bought him a fucking plane ticket, and for some reason he didn't use it. I don't no, know he what did. that's about. No. Yeah. He's he, still driving. No, I think because, uh, Bill, he had to land in Columbus, <laughs> Ohio, and then get a car and drive the rest of the way to Point Pleasant. But really, oh, okay. there's not so an international airport in Point Pleasant, Bill. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you. I got you. I got okay. you. 
There are so many also, scenes of driving in this movie, though. I, I just want to say there are too many scenes of driving in this movie. You got to drive to get places. Do, I, I did notice that he moved from a BMW to an Audi. That kind of bugged me. I was like, what, what was wrong with your BMW, bro? Well, again, he's got to get the uh, he's got to get the rental. Oh, you mean when he crashes? Well, like he he his wife crashes the BMW. Right. So right? why would you get a car it, that reminds you of the, the horrific car accident you were in? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking a reporter salary, so I'm like, uh, well, that's the other question. Why is he driving a BMW and living in a a nice three story thing in Georgetown? Yeah, yeah. I went to journalism school. I know how these people live. Yeah, he's he's the star (laughs) reporter. He should he should have some Pulitzers at least. Come on. (laughs) You doing all right, Mary Beth? (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm just I just listening and enjoying. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that this is what we hooked onto was the cars he's driving. <laughs> it's good. It's important. I under, I like it. It's very good. No, but it, it is really true that I had more of a problem with the cop and journalist than anything <laughs> in believing in the modern man. Again, what does that say about you? What does that say about when this movie was made? What does that say about now? Like, what what does it say about literally everything? It's going to say. Michael, Michael is a man in black. Well, listen to the next intermission about Christine and you're going to be able to hear me go on extensively about my experiences with journalism. So Michael just screaming, you know, the real high strangeness is the cops and the mainstream media (laughs) working together. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Where's the line? We got some for everyone on on this podcast. We got Mothman to talk about. So that's the thing. This movie, I think... Uh, maybe fatally doesn't understand the Mothman and Indrid Cold, who this movie kind of comports into a single entity. Yeah, it, and Indrid Cold is supposed to be a man in black, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Woo! Nailed it! And, and he's like, he. okay, this is... The, the more I talk about this, the more crazy I realize I sound, and I kind <laughs> okay, of love that about myself. That's what we're here um, for. <laughs> He's one of like the leaders of the Men in Black. Have you watched Hellier? Mary Beth, maybe Beth, can I can I ask you a, a weird question real quick? Please. What what are you kissing in your in your profile pic that I'm looking oh, at? Oh, um, it's a blobfish. I crocheted a blobfish. Okay, I, I thought it, I, I keep thinking <laughs> it's a piggy bank, but I was like, it's it's oddly shaped. So. No, it's um yeah, I crocheted um a blobfish because. Okay. I just right. felt like it. So. Uh, listeners, you probably can't see this image. So. No, they 100% can't see this image. Are you kidding me, Bill? We're going to need to tweet this out power, like we did yeah, with my Chupacabra picture. Yeah, the power <laughs> and, uh, make things happen. So if you want it, listeners, build it and they will come. I think I think that's how that works. Yes, yes, I again. just also want to say, Bill just said, let me see a raise of hands while we are doing an audio. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know. Right, we're not doing video on this one. Yeah, well, you know. I, I And then I said, <laughs> I am raising my hand. So, you know. Now, as to Mary Beth's original question, I have not seen Hellier. Hellier is... What's Hellier? So Hellier is this amazing Amazon Prime series. There's two seasons right now. Um, and it's high strangeness TV show. And it's a documentary TV show. And it kind of 
My boyfriend made fun of me because the initial conceit is that there are goblins attacking people and it's hysterical because it sounds fake. But then it becomes this really interesting examination of high strangeness and Indrid Cold plays a part in that as well, um, oh. supposedly. And it's really, really interesting, especially if you like cryptozoology. Wait, what do you mean supposedly? What do you... I mean, <laughs> so supposedly like... If he is a real figure. Oh, okay. I I was like, I was like, does he or does he not? I or I was like, are you leaving that up to us as a mystery? No, no. I mean, it's very explicitly injured cold, but it depends on if you buy into that kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, But it's really good. Uh, I think it's really creepy, and especially if you're really into like uh, cryptids and high strangeness and like weird interdimensional stuff, I would really recommend checking it out. But it's a really good companion piece, I think, to the Mothman prophecies and kind of brings it into the present. I will have to. Def- I'm definitely going to have to watch this now. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't watched it, Brian. I was like, you would definitely have watched this by now. I'm looking at uh, what I, I guess is a picture of the um, poster and it is a noseless, black eyed, stitch lipped yeah. creature. And I am definitely. all on board. It's, I mean, yeah, there's like not a ton to do with that, but it's really awesome. And there's some like, I mean, I buy, I obviously buy into this stuff really easily, but there's some really cool like evidence and like cool moments. That- you know, I, I, I love this stuff. Um, I don't know how much I believe of it. I know that I am open to it, but I do like, there's something about how boring the world is um, that I like the concept of there being something else. I would else. not call the world boring right now. The mechanics a, would... of the physical natural world. <laughs> not the geopolitical existential state of things, but just, I like, I like, when I was a kid, I loved staring into the woods and believing that anything could be in there. Oh, yeah. Um, before okay. you find I, out. I, I like. Even even beyond like a Sasquatch, you're like, well, I could go to those woods and see a giraffe, and um, I could sell some papes <laughs> down by the docks. Because <laughs> apparently that's how my child voice is. By the docks. <laughs> yeah, but then you learn about like biomes and stuff, and you're like, now when people are like, did you hear that someone saw a pterodactyl in Montana? And I'm just like, the amount of biomass that would need to be consumed by a pterodactyl for it to sustain itself in that environment necessarily precludes that from being true. And I hate that my brain is is informed enough to say that before I can even allow myself the like stark possibility of a pterodactyl existing. Mm. You know, so, so, so you're a, a stark realist in in the face of cryptics and all this other shit. I'm like if I like I'm it. like if I like if, it. I'm like if Mulder and Scully had a baby, which I think they do at one of the later seasons. I don't know. Maybe it gets still by I've never watched a single episode. God damn it. Why do I do a podcast with you? They're really good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard good things. I was was just late to that party. And so I missed that and Star Trek uh, Next Generation. Is that that the one with uh, uh, Worf and... Yeah, Jean-Luc Picard and all that. Yeah, I think so. Anyways, uh, I missed that. I ended up on the Buffy train. So that's where I was. I was all about the X-Files. Again, I was into aliens and cryptids from a young age. I don't know how it happened. I blame television. I was into the X-Files. I was into the 
Mary Beth, you whoa, have whoa, gone whoa. quiet again. Okay, hold on. I, my microphone. I don't know whether like my actual nice microphone is like fucking up with the volume. This is very bizarre. Now here's the question: Do we believe that this could be a Mothman, Man in Black situation? Yes, one hundred percent. Because this has never happened before, so I'm pretty sure it is Mothman. Um, I grew up watching the X Files, um, whether or not my parents knew or not, and so I probably, I definitely was influenced by that. My dad um, always talked about aliens and cryptids when I was a kid, so I was obsessed with them. And now I have a UFO tattoo to kind of <laughs> commemorate that. But I'm also planning a Mothman tattoo because I love him. So awesome! That is pretty yeah. cool. Wait, so what is what is what is your UFO tattoo? Is it literally just like a saucer? It's just a saucer, a flying okay. saucer. Yeah, okay. it's not like lifting up stick figures or something. No, I, I thought about that initially, but so, okay, here's the backstory behind it. So I have on my right arm, I have an avocado. My mom has the other half of the avocado. Oh, and which one so of you it, has the pit? Um, I have the pit. Okay. And so <laughs> it, That's a good question. No, it's, I, I, that's the first question everyone asks about it. It's amazing. But people are kind of um, um, dumb and think it's... An, <laughs> I think it's a flying saucer. And so I wanted uh-huh. a UFO, I wanted a UFO, Yeah, so I wanted a UFO tattoo, but I also thought it'd be funny if I had a flying saucer on the other arm in the same place. So that when people That's are like, oh, is that a flying saucer? You can be like, no, this is a flying saucer. No, I've done that. <laughs> I've done that multiple times and it brings me joy every single time. Understandably, <laughs> yeah. So it was mostly for a joke, but also because I love UFOs and I wanted a UFO tattoo, but it felt like the best way to do it so yeah <laughs> yeah as a child i had a shirt that had the poster from the x-files that said i want to believe on it so yeah I've, I've, I've been there for a long time um i uh yeah i don't know i just love it i can't wait to uh i actually i have in a way introduced my daughter to the concept of aliens because uh, we watched uh sean the sheep together oh my god <laughs> yes because in, in the actual Shaun the Sheep, there is an alien. And then in Farmageddon, the alien is uh, even more of part of it. Yes. Farmageddon's great. I Farmageddon's like a great movie. Uh, number one movie of the year. That was this year, right? Yes. <laughs> no fucking way. There's no way that was this There's year. There's no fucking way. There's it was no... this year. God damn it. That's this world. Just like the rhythm section. Just like Birds of Prey. Yeah. Oh, the geez. way back was this year. Uh, the way back. That movie sticks with me like I just saw it yesterday. So I don't know. Let's let's go. Let's go. What were we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about Mothman. We're talking about cryptids. We're talking about uh Tulpas? Tulpas? We have not tulpas. talked about Tulpas. Now there tapas? is a concept t- yes, Tapas. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tapas. <laughs> just a single shrimp there's, there's on a cracker and it's forty dollars. <laughs> Tapas are bullshit. Um, I'll just say that. As a as a man who's been in DC, made by men in black. As a man in who has been in DC from 2005 onward, you know, I have watched the rise of the tapas bar here, and it has given me nothing but anger. I agree with you 100 percent. As someone who also has lived in DC for a long time. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't want to spend $50 on two things and sangria. <laughs> right. No, everyone's like, let's go to the tapas bar and we can get sangria and eat tapas. And I'm like, why don't we just hit up Chipotle and then pound a fifth of whiskey? Like, that's what my life should be. 
I mean, that's the best part is when you go to um, there's a couple bars around here. You get like five dollar tacos, two dollar beers, and then that's the best both worlds. Right, that's great, and the food's better. So anyway, one hundred percent. You go to the Corey House Tavern. <gasps> I live across the street from Corey House. What? Yeah, oh boy. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Corey House. This is again just a tangent. Corey House Tavern is my shit. I have gotten drunk there so many times. Oh, their yeah. burgers, their chicken tenders, the tots, mm, the tots. Oh my god! This tots. episode brought to you by Corey House Tavern. If I could get sponsored by Corey House Tavern, I would die. It would be oh the my best. God. They have the best beer list. I've gotten Whiskey Wednesdays. Whiskey oh, Wednesdays. Oh, whiskey Wednesdays. I used oh. to rock the jukebox. I haven't been back since it burned down and they had to build it again. Oh, yeah, they re- they reopened it, but I'm too nervous to go into that nasty, dank basement during a pandemic. I don't feel like that's yeah. prob- I don't feel like that's exactly the safest thing to do. Will we ever feel confident going back into dirty, dank basements? I 100%, sure yeah. hope so. I love going into dirty, dank basement bars, but I don't want that. Re- <laughs> I guess that might be over. <laughs> I um, I'm going to be fine with it as soon as like someone on the news tells me it's OK. Who's not? Who's not a member of the current administration? <laughs> Should say that. Brian, let's hang out at Quarry House when there's no <clears throat> more pandemic. I am 100 down with that. Yes. God, you know what? Oh fuck! I need to get my uh, I need to get my Schmidt Spirits liquor in the Quarry House. That's what I got to do. There you go. Anyway, it sounds like there's get, a hundred percent chance that, that you and Mary Abbott have run into each other before. Yes, I definitely <laughs> think that y'all have like crossed paths. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, there seems to be a lot of overlap in the places we go <laughs> and the things that we like. So it, it, I wouldn't marmalade. Right. When you live within <laughs> 15 miles of someone, chances are you've been to the same place at some point together at the same time and just not realized it. <laughs> let's uh, let's correlate every movie that we ever watched at the Regal in downtown Silver <laughs> Spring and try to see if we ever accidentally attended the same <laughs> Let me pull out my let me pull out my letterbox and figure out which one. <laughs> oh Jesus! It's gonna be great. This is the, the, that's the kind of conspiratorial nonsense you'd do if you were like tracking the Mothman. It's like yeah. what was happening at oh. this point in the world at this point when this thing showed up. And now yeah. we have to address a question that Michael had before we began. Um, it's to get us back on track, and also because I really okay. want to talk about this. Are there sure. in fact Mothmen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, is it is it the Mothman prophecies or is there Mothmen? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now that's a question. Yes. Um, the the but answer to which called Mothman. Let, let's let's be clear. That is let's correct. Be, uh, yeah. They should have done a sequel in the aliens vein where it's just Mothmen prophecies. <laughs> so now there's three of them. Oh shit. Um. So yeah. The the question of the, and the movie again. It, the movie does a good job of of allowing for the unknowability of the Mothman. I I, I yeah. cannot say that enough because it actually is like just kind of shocking considering what this movie is trying to be. Uh, that it allows itself to be as weird and uh, uncertain as it is. There there is a question as to if the Mothman is a member of a race of Mothmen, winged transdimensional beings that you know and again have no real knowable purpose or objective and it's also a question of is it a single creature that seems to exist in multiple places at the same time because of the fact that it is able to move transdimensionally that was my interpretation 
for what it's worth. Yeah, I also interpret Mothman as a single being who can move between places due to his kind of like, I'm also assigning him a gender, but you know what? Who knows if Mothman really has any kind of gender identity, but um, he, um, I, <laughs> he could be, you never know. Um, <laughs> but I saw him more as like a one single entity that works for, works for is a strong word, but like is in cahoots or something with the men in black and is like this kind of, I wouldn't say he's not a bad, he's not a bad being. He like, he wants to warn us, but it's like, you know, in a weird, like not so because we like humanity kind of way. It's like a weirdly ambivalent prophecy, if that makes sense. Well, my, my, my issue here then is in the movie, he doesn't give actionable intelligence. Hmm. Well, so that's like, that's where like, like he he predicts the disaster of the plane and he predicts the disaster of the earthquake, but it's like he gives it to a guy that tells someone else about it two hours before it happens. Now here's now Bill, and, I'm, and I'm gonna like, um, Bill, I'm gonna rip your mind in half, and I want you to be ready for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Patton says that the person who told him these things is injured cold. Gotcha. Injured Cold is not the Mothman, so it sure, is it is sure. possible. Wait, what? <laughs> Did you just you're, zone you're good, out the good. entire time that Mary Beth was talking about Injured Cold? No, I mean I didn't make the connection that Injured Cold is not also the Mothman. Well, see, that's how this movie that's how this movie fails both the Mothman and Injured Cold. So here's the thing: Moth, uh, Injured Cold is is the man, is a man in black, right? Correct. So it is possible. I, I nailed it again. You I, did I, it. Bill's I, really I, picking I, up yeah. on this shit. I, I think I think oh, I right. asked that or said that earlier, <laughs> and I got it right, and I got it right this time. So I win twice. Yes. So, so God damn you. So what what's happening is <laughs> you could almost view this as like if there were a certain kind of bird that went somewhere before a tornado happens, and then a tornado researcher showed up. You know, so like the Mothman may just be hanging around feeding off of again the energy that builds up before a tragedy um or you know he could be just harassing people and giving them conjunctivitis um and then injured cold exists in parallel not even in opposition or or correspondence with the mothman but just is also there because of the fact that they know something is going to happen yeah michael snydell are you are you okay I had it, my brain is just ripped <laughs> in half. But that's a that's a pretty usual occurrence for me. So I think some of this is just going to be beyond <laughs> uh, my comprehension. Can I rip apart your mind again? If you turn your mic up, yes. It better. Be, you yes. can also unplug your mic. I, that's what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this fucker is not working today, so we're just going to use my laptop. It's not my favorite, but time it's like it's just gotta go wow um, your mic got louder <laughs> <laughs> weird um so to blow your mind again so mothman sightings also coincide often with ufo sighting and when okay. those two sightings occur the men in black appear to interrogate those who saw them and try to 
disprove that they were there and they try to gather all the information possible about what was seen and then they go from there so there's like obviously no like true knowledge about what mothman is but he is very connected to ufo sightings and the men in black and they kind of all exist in this weird like web now in 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 this Go ahead, Brian. Well, I was going to say, there's another issue, if you want to call it that, is that when you know about something, your mind is more open to the possibility of observing something. And you can also falsely correlate things as being that thing. So, for instance, there is the high strangeness men in black, but you might also happen upon just some shitty paranormal researcher who's asking you all these questions about things and you might conceive of him as a man in black because he might just be a socially awkward son of a bitch who doesn't know what he's doing and he asks you not to talk to anyone else because he doesn't want any of the other paranormal researchers that show up to get any of his information so you you have to kind of be prepared to sort through what is happening and how it can be interpreted. So that is one of the reasons why we have to look at this this movie and this actual... We haven't even brought up the fact that like this is based on a true story. Um, yeah. That there <laughs> like was the like a silver bridge that, that collapsed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Point Pleasant, West Virginia is a real place with a Mothman statue and a Mothman museum. So like you have to like look at that and see the difference between the Mothman and this character of injured cold because those two aren't connected. But also like if, if, if someone then says, Oh, someone came up to me in the store and was asking a bunch of questions about that thing that I saw and seemed to be trying to disprove it. You know, is that a man in black or is that just, you know, someone who might be like John a keel going around and asking questions. And that actually was a problem because it, we see this in the movie where um, John Klein goes up to someone's door and he's like, the guy's like, fuck you. You've been outside of my house every night. A similar thing happened to John Keel um, mm-hmm. where he asked for directions. So like, is that actually that scene in the movie is pretty close to his experience of knocking on someone's door and that person like, freaking out at him for being there thinking he's one of the men in black. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I did think that was... I, I don't know that was implemented so strangely in the film that I, I was kind of scratching my head about even what they were trying to do there. I think it was all about like, oh, the, he like is predicting that he's coming like, ooh, and that's how I read it. Like, oh, God, like it's, you know, they're kind of setting up this person to expect him on the third day. And they, cause I feel like a lot of the, like, since they kind of know, like in pre, they kind of know everything that's going on. I read it as a, like in preparation for the arrival of Mr. John Klein, which just it still doesn't make a ton of sense, but <laughs> that's how I saw it. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. hard. It's hard to know. And I think that the construction of the movie makes that difficult. It's it's you're you're working in a in a in a vein of paranoia and uncertainty. And so to to layer on this guy's wife just died. He's now in this random place and his car died. And now he's in a place and he's being held in a shower with a shotgun. And then Mm -hmm. the guy is claiming that he's been there for three days and this guy doesn't know what's going on. And 
Um, he's like just lost, but then it turns out that he's like super lost and really doesn't know where he is. I feel <laughs> like you just you're layering too many problems on top of themselves so that like you don't have time to let the full impact of any one strange thing really sink in. So it doesn't feel like it's a layering of sediment that's eventually going to crush this man beneath the existential weight of all these questions. It more just feels like a super confused screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I would, yeah, I, I think that's where I, I'm at with it too. Is I, I don't want to give it that much credit, which, which I guess I, that kind of does bring me to a question, Brent. What do you think, uh, like, even if you want to point to a, a scene or two, the one scene I think that communicates the kind of weirdness and unknowability of this film is the phone scene. To me, that's mm. the best scene of the movie because it seems the most like which, it's not which just specifically. Oh, sorry. The phone scene. <laughs> um, da, 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 da. Well, it's the chapstick. It's the okay, book. Okay. Yeah. It's the it's the, um, whole, the whole proving injured colds knowledge yes. scene. Yes, 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 yes. Like yeah. that to me is the best scene of the movie. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. Like, what else do you think? Uh, like, not necessarily felt convincing to you, but like you were impressed with as someone who is familiar with a lot of these things. Well, so, you know, like I said, I'm impressed with the fact that they even bothered to say, like, you know, extra dimensional beings, you know, they're up there. That guy's like the, the, the weirdly, the whole part where he's talking to Leek, yes. which again is kill spell backwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mary Beth loves that. Um, <laughs> the whole part where he's speaking to Leek and, and Leek is just, you know, it, it's it is it is very low level philosophizing. But I think that given everything else we've seen in this movie, it's interesting that it even deigns to go there. Um, mm, yes. So I like that. I like the kind of opening up the doors of perception there. Now, I like the phone scene just I, I from... I would also say, Leek gets a, he gets a very humane role, like where he talks about his life really going upside down was like... Well, that is uh, all John well, Keel backstory. Like that is, that is actual oh, John is Keel really? shit. Yeah. I just yeah. thought it was oddly convincing and like oddly well acted. <laughs> so John, it, I didn't it, think it, a lot it of also, it well. John it, Keel. it also it also like precludes what Richard Gere's character ends up kind of going through. Right, that's and what he's at like, risk of. <laughs> yeah, and and you're like, okay, you just talked to this guy that told you like leave this shit alone because <laughs> it will destroy your life. And then what does he do? He goes back to his house <laughs> to go get a phone call from his dead fucking wife. And you're just like, what the fuck well, is wrong? Leak with didn't you, say nothing about no dead wives, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that could still be fine. Yeah. I will say, so like John Keel starts talking to these people in Point Pleasant. Cause he's looking for this cat with wings. And by the time he gets there, the wings have fallen off. And <laughs> this is this is all according to John Keel. So he then hears about Point Pleasant and everything that's going on in it. So he starts talking to people and he, you know, if you if you were to believe him, knew beforehand about like the assassination of Martin Luther King. 
and a couple of other problems. He knew about like a building that was going to explode. And then he knew that something was, it really is oddly enough, a lot like what happens in this movie, which is, is actually a little bit impressive when you, you find that out. Cause like he's certain that something's going to happen. He knows that it's going to be on the river. He does think it's going to be a chemical plant. He um, says in this interview that he would not go to Point Pleasant without a gas mask. Um, not on, but just on shit. his person, you know, just oh, like gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> in case something happened um, and that it was actually the bridge that went down. So he was he was wrong about it. And he he struggles with the concept of like, I can't tell people, you know, I don't know how I know this or I can't explain how I know this, but something is going to happen because if he's wrong, he's going to look crazy. And if he's right, he's going to look guilty. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that is all that, all that leaked made a movie about that. <laughs> yes. Even if you <laughs> stopped the thing, people might still think that you, uh, you done did it. Uh, you're going to get jeweled, I think is what they call it. So oh, okay. <laughs> jeweled. What? Richard yeah, Jewel. No, I, li- I like it. I yeah. Like it. Um, so that was what he was concerned about. And he's, he's, he talks about like the existential weight that is there because he's basically paralyzed by indecision. So this movie you know, has, has leak say like, you know, I, I knew this building was going to blow up and I, I tried to stop it and no one believed me. And then it blew up. And then, you know, suddenly I was persona or a person of interest. Number one. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting that they, they really lean into that. What I find even more interesting, Michael, you talked about like the humaneness of that scene. Yeah. Is, is that in the interview with John Keel, he actually, says like you know art bell says you know who's who's your your insert character like which which one are you and he says like they've kind of split me in half i'm john klein and i'm this character leak and i loved leak (laughs) and you'd think that a man who's lived the life of of keel would go like man fucking richard gear played me in a movie if richard gear now played me in a movie as a college student i would find it to be a flattering portrayal but this guy is just like, nope, Alan Bates as Alexander Leake. That's me, baby. And I am super stoked about it. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Leake, which again is Keel spelled backwards. And who doesn't have sex with Deborah Messing in a closet. Yep. Yeah. yeah, what the fuck? They got to check that out that guy, closet space, baby. So, so that guy, like opens up the closet and then yes. it's just like hi oh you know um, <laughs> you will have to make a strong offer on this house today and they're just like they're just like what the fuck are you still doing here like you should have been like oh let me turn around y'all are uh up to no good let me turn around real quick so y'all can like put your clothes back Bill, on allow me to read you the second paragraph of the review for this movie from Roger Ebert <laughs> Richard Gere stars as a Washington Post reporter named John Klein, who is so happily married to Deborah Messing that when they agree to buy a new house, they decide to test the floor of a closet for lovemaking purposes to the surprise of the real estate agent who walks in on them. If there's one thing you demand in a real estate agent, it's the good judgment to just leave a closet door closed when he hears the unmistakable sounds of coitus coming from behind it. Furthermore, <laughs> Gear is 53. He's in great shape, but to make love at 53 on the floor of a closet with a real estate agent lurking about is, I submit, not based on a true story. 
He's so horny. God damn it. All of Roger Ebert's reviews are so horny. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! I love it. <laughs> like dedicated multiple paragraphs probably to this description. Yes. Like, fuck oh, the Mothman. Yeah. Here is the like description of closet coitus and my analysis of such. <laughs> Gotta hand it to him. The unique take. Oh, I yeah. love it. Closet coitus is my new wave band. <laughs> closet coitus <laughs> is your new wave band. <laughs> oh my god! I was gonna say new band name. I call it, but you already got it. Yep. <laughs> Maybe it's more post-punk. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it would have sense. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I agree with that. What what I like about this is it could float by a lot of parents and they just wouldn't understand what that what that even is. They'd be like, huh? Yeah, go see that band. Sounds <laughs> like coitus. That sounds nice. Um <laughs> Boy. I will say that we are I read skipping about over that in an Ebert review once. <laughs> we are skipping over the concept that uh, the Mothman may be a spirit that um, is evoked by a curse that Wait, an Indian chief wait. put on. Yes. Is yes. Is, what, hold on, hold on. Is the real estate agent a Mothman? Or no, no sorry, uh, a man in black? Because of him because, just awkwardly because, standing because he there? he doesn't pick up on social cues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, have great. but they do have the light bulb flash on and the moth like you don't on. need a moth you know that's like if your movie's called the mothman prophecies maybe don't just have a random moth fly around yeah no but then okay sorry side note before we go to the curse which is very interesting when they look at her tumor in her brain they put the outline of mothman over the tumor okay <laughs> <laughs> That's and I'm just like, I did not notice this the first time I watched it, and I, I was rewatching it today, and I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" And there's <laughs> always like, like some sort of ethereal scream that goes on when you see the the moth creature thing. Yeah, it's very weird. Mothman's everywhere, even in your brain. <laughs> you got Mothman on the brain. You're Literally, eye. he's in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. What what about the curse? What what's this curse? What are we talking about? Oh yeah, so it's possible that uh, the Mothman is the evocation of a curse that was put on the land that would soon that would someday become like the Ohio River Valley. Oh, there, there's some yeah. Indian barrel ground shit going on. I mean, so there are well, there are mounds around there, but this is you know, Mary Beth, you can, you can tell it mounds. Yeah, that's the burial so- mounds. So this is actually really interesting. Is, is that what that's? Sorry, I, I'm, I'm confused. You, so you call Indian burial grounds they mounds? They buried people in mounds. This is not oh, yeah. a okay. controversial what? opinion. This is what was I, done. I, I, I was, I, I was, I'm just making Bill sure. Bill prefers <laughs> almond joy. <laughs> <laughs> I, am I did. so I mad did. at you right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Look. Brian, you want to burial almond joy? <laughs> Brian's corner is definitely like cryptids, like all all this shit, and then also food metaphors. And Michael definitely swooped in and, and stole that one. <laughs> swooped in like the Mothman. <laughs> okay, go on, Brian. No, no, I've I've passed the torch to Mary Beth for this one. Okay, all right, Mary so- Beth, continue. Okay, so there's a movie, I mentioned this earlier, a sci-fi original movie called Mothman that actually goes into this real curse. 
And it's actually, I was like, oh, this actually is very accurate to the real historical happenings around West Virginia. So is this is the one that's based in the 60s. No, this oh. one is like, it's like, I know what you did last summer. Oh, that is, it's that shitty one. I, th- I thought you said it was shitty. Yeah, it's shitty, but there's a there's like a grain of truth in it. Just just because it has one like correct thing in it. Historical does accuracy mean- does not immediately mean that a movie's a fucking Academy <laughs> Award okay. winner. No, no. I mean, I I thought I thought you were saying this movie rocks because of X, but no. Okay, I got no, you. no, no. I no, just, it sucks in spite of X. It sucks in spite of X because. Again, like I wrote about this for my cryptid column and doing research, like finding out that there is this curse, which is really fascinating. So um, Point Pleasant, like Brian said, is um, on the Ohio River. And before there was Point Pleasant, there was like a fort nearby. Um, and there was a battle called the Battle of Point Pleasant um, from in 1774. And it was between the white Virginians and two um, indigenous tribes, Shawnee and Mingo tribes. And basically fighting over land, colonialism, obviously happy Indigenous Peoples Day, everybody. And then mm. they captured uh, the Shawnee chief, um, who was who's nicknamed Chief Corn, who was nicknamed Corn, um, Cornstock. And so while he tried to like, maintain this peace, blah, 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 he wanted to prevent bloodshed, he was eventually captured and murdered by the colonists. And since they broke their word, he um, he supposedly right before his death conjured a great spirit to curse the land. And so they believe a lot of people believe in this curse. Um, they think that a lot of the tragedies that happen in Plant Pleasant and all the weird things they see around it are because of the spirit that Chief Cornstalk conjured when he was murdered because white people um, backed out of their promise. So, so I'm curious because a lot of colonials around this time happened to have like diaries, like people, people wrote, right. They, they kept track of stuff. So is this like a word of mouth history or is this like in some diary shit? So I, from what I have looked at, there isn't a ton about this. I think it's like word of mouth kind of situation. So again, like, who knows if it's real, but there is a really sure. interesting historical aspect here where like colonialism plays a huge play or plays mm-hmm. a huge part mm-hmm. in the fact that, you know, they lied, killed a tribe and killed their leaders. And he just might have conjured something to haunt the land um, as vengeance. Yeah. I don't. And, and so, so this is, this is about Mothman. This goes back to the 1700s, right? Early America, uh, things like that. Um, yeah. so how does this equate to the fact that d- doesn't, doesn't, uh, Keel in this movie mention, and isn't it supposed that Mothman isn't just showing up here in, yeah. uh, in in 1774 and just in america like mothman shows up all over the place like i think keel even mentions like in the movie he points to like some cave drawing shits which i was like oh shit like that that seems interesting like where's that (laughs) cave drawing i don't know where that cave drawing is i don't know where it is i'd love to see it and again like this is just another like fasted up folklore that's trying to explain the Mothman. And again, in mm-hmm. the movie Mothman, where they use it, it describes why this creature is killing a bunch of teenagers and like killing them in West Virginia. So obviously gotcha, gotcha. the story of that movie isn't necessarily um, the Mothman we know, but it is based on a potential legend that could have something to do with like 
perhaps it's like a portal or some kind of like rift between worlds where it's easier to access or right yeah, i mean because like, the other, it's the it's, other big thing is that mothman is not uh he, mothman is a uh third party observer right he is anything. not a bringer not a of death and dis- destruction yes, yes. um he's so kind of a nice guy he warns people kind of Almost like accidentally, it's like if your friend shows up at your at a party and it's like he's not going to shoot anyone, but you know that like the people who are going to come looking for him are probably going to shoot someone. So it's like, oh god, if have Mike's you, here, we got to get out. <laughs> Is that like a personal story? Sort of. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of these. It's like, oh, wherever he wherever he goes, trouble follows, and I don't want to be here oddly specific story but oh my god <laughs> yeah this uh this part so i got interviewed by um a federal agent once for a security clearance for a job of mine and <laughs> oh, no. the final question was one well, not maybe not the final question but one of the final questions after like they picked it all the little nits that they knew about was have you ever done anything that you feel could be used to exploit you like do you have any secrets that you feel um, people could use like as as a, a cudgel or a lever to to like you know get you to turn on your country. And I said to them, "No, I have a podcast, and I've told every insane personal story that I have. <laughs> I don't have any secrets. Thousands of people listen to me talk about the random bullshit in my life money. all the time. Yeah, things that I should have kept secret to myself are just out there. So it's uh, yeah, I'm an oversharer on this." Did you get the security clearance or can you not tell us? I did get the security clearance. (laughs) (laughs) I am a man who the United States government deems as being able to access and keep secret information. Hey, I'm not even just public trust. What was that, Bill? Was that this current administration? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I know it makes it a little less prestigious. Um, Good luck next time. <laughs> the only thing Obama would give me was public trust, but Trump comes in and suddenly I've got secret, baby. It's good. It's the best. <laughs> Level um, five. Here we go. Swipe that card. Yep. Um, I got Q clearance. I am Q. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. I want to bring up the fact that now here again, you have to look at there's the world is not one thing. Let's begin with me saying that. So it is, it is possible. I know when, when I say that, it's just like everyone immediately becomes scared. So the, 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 because of that, because of that fact, you can look at this as four to 700 different things are happening all at once in and uh, around Point Pleasant uh, leading to the Silver Bridge disaster. So one could be the curse that was apparently laid by Chief Cornstalk, which which has affected the area. There is, there is a, a supposedly higher confluence of tragedy in this area um, than one might expect. Um uh, it is my understanding that the deadliest uh, mining disaster in uh, United States history took place um, near-ish to Point Pleasant. Now, again, mm. you have to take all this with a grain of salt because sometimes they'll be like, 
near and they'll, they'll be like 200 miles <laughs> and if i were a better man i might have looked up the the distance to actually like maybe verify some of this information but i am not i don't have that much time in my head didn't you actually look up how far point pleasant from is from where you live though yes after a listener reached out and said they were they lived in Point Pleasant for part of their life. Yes, and they brought up the I, I had been looking obviously because I'd just seen this movie about the the museum and the statue, and oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. my daughter again is not presently with me. She is in Texas with her grandmother, so I have like a, a an amount of free time and freedom of movement that is not usually afforded <laughs> to me. Freedom and, of movement. <laughs> I am tethered to wherever a four-year-old is, you know? That was about right. So if if she is being watched by my own flesh and blood, I can disappear for two days and it's not going to affect anyone. Um, <laughs> if she's here and I do that, uh, she will be taken from me and I will be put on America's Most Wanted, probably. So... <laughs> The other Don't thing is actually, anymore. and then I realized that I really can't do that because actually my dog is still recovering from surgery and she needs me. Um, Lana. Poor Lana. Um, Lana's doing great. Lana is the reason I wasn't here last week for anyone who didn't know that. I don't know what kind of context Michael gave to my disappearance. I didn't want to, I, I didn't feel comfortable uh, disclosing the exact circumstances. You think HIPAA applies to my pet dog? maybe it does i don't know it's a good question um anyway so so what i was gonna say there's just let's just scroll back through the the hyperlinks that we just clicked in my narrative um i considered going to point pleasant i'm still considering it because i do like the idea of just driving somewhere random and taking a shit ton of pictures and it seems as though this area is is you know surrounded by a lot of interesting stuff so perhaps. Um, it's only six hours away. Yeah, it's like five hours and 45 minutes. So if I left at like midnight, I could get there in time for the sunrise, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to two of our podcasts. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Listen to yourself. <laughs> Just to <laughs> truly <trying>. go insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, yes. So again, the Ohio River Valley, uh, there's a curse. So let's say there's a Mothman, right? And he is drawn to areas where tragedy will occur. In that case, then he would be drawn to the different tragedies that are happening around the places where this curse was. And if the men in black are attempting to piggyback off of paranormal phenomena as a means of either keeping us in a state of unknowing or as a means of trying to pry open our consciousness, depending on what you believe about them, then all of these things can happen at once. All of them are tied together, but they are not necessarily happening because of one another. Like they are not working in concert. They are a happy idiosyncratic rhythm. I like this. I like this. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm following. Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I connected my dots, my uh, my my pushpin, and what what is it? String. Oh yeah, yeah, the thumbtacks and yarn. Y- yarn. There you go. Yes, yeah. I, I got it up. Okay. Now I don't know how large of a curse 
uh, area. I don't know what the area of effect was for what Cornstalk apparently did, but I will say that uh, where the mining disaster took place and Point Pleasant are about two and a half hours apart from each other. Yeah. Is that as the crow flies or is that? Uh, it says the, the car drives. <laughs> as the car drives. <laughs> but not Richard Gere's car. No, Richard, Richard, Richard Gere's car, car could maybe make it in 30 minutes. Yes, he's, he's as, the <laughs> as the Audi flies. Because he said that he lost Why like a half an hour, an hour and a half of time so and was much. like 400 miles away from where he thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. He he also he also was uh, showing up 71 miles outside of Point Pleasant at like 550. And I was like, bro, she said dinner was at six. What are you doing? And then late. all of a he sudden a he's in in the in the bridge and she's stuck there too i guess she's been there for like an hour or something so that was i you know i again i i have a tendency to sometimes go a little nuts i'll just admit um (laughs) in the movie and in keel's telling of his research i'm gonna take that out of context for sure (laughs) please do please make a soundboard i would love it um I didn't read the book, The Mothman Prophecies, but in his interview and in this movie, it is stated that there is something wrong with the traffic lights. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Mary Beth, as, as a person who has read The Mothman Prophecies, is that reflected in that book? I can't remember. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm just going to go off of his interview and I'm going to say that it probably is because it seems like one yeah. of those things that sticks out in his mind. And it also made it into this movie. Now, I read an article about the collapse of the Silver Bridge. There was a woman who was pregnant and who was actually caught on the precipice of where the bridge had collapsed and was saved by a police officer and a uh, a shop person. And she said that she moved forward because the light turned green. But then when she heard the the and saw kind of the, the swaying of the bridge... She like threw her car into reverse and was able to get out of mostly the area where it was collapsing. So it is possible that he was wrong about that, or it is further possible that whatever caused this disaster at some point allowed the lights to turn on so that more people could enter the bridge after having trapped enough people on it already. Mm. Interesting. Curious indeed. Um, now the, the real life silver bridge, uh, did collapse. Uh, they, they attribute it to faulty, con- not faulty construction, but actually faulty design. Um, it had a dual eye bar support system, which was kind of revolutionary when it was created, but it had no redundancies. It had no like backup system. Uh, so gotcha. if one, it was the eye bars in parallel with one another evenly distributed the weight. But so if one of them broke, Suddenly, the other one was carrying double the weight it was supposed to, and so it was a catastrophic chain of events like that. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. But again, uh, that does not necessarily disprove any uh, Mothman, because we are not saying that the Mothman uh, actually uh, creates this disaster. He merely portends it. Mm -hmm. And maybe the curse is why the green light allowed so many people on that bridge. Yes. Which may have also led to, right, the fact that the bridge collapsed. Yes. Because if there weren't so many people on there 
and the I-beams failed, their double of the weight wouldn't be underneath their their normal absolute load. Correct. The bridge was made much earlier than this. This all actually happened in the 60s, by the way, not in 2002. Like this movie makes it seem. Oh, OK. OK. So, so so that's what I was reading, that like a bunch of these tragedies happened in the 60s. And then I was like, and then again in the night. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no. this is I. I was a little bit lost when I first watched the movie about that. But yeah, these all happened in the keel documents these all of us in the sixties and they just adapted into the two thousands for like, I, so I they mean, they look, said that look, one of the I reasons was... the bridge might have failed is actually because of a poor in infrastructure upkeep, which glad we fixed that problem, am I right? But also <laughs> <laughs> also just the <laughs> Also, just the fact that cars and everything and truckloads were getting bigger than they had ever anticipated that they would when the bridge was constructed. That makes Take sense. That architecture. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, architecture. Take that. Dumb son of a bitch. Right? right? Oh, God. I'll see you in West Virginia, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Between this and the devil all the time, it's a big year for West Virginia on our podcast. I have a friend who's from West Virginia, and I asked her um, how close she was to Point Pleasant, I think. I can't even. I might have just straight up said, what do you know about the Mothman? (laughs) (laughs) She was like, "Uh, I don't know. I'm two hours away from him. Yeah, it was something like that. I said, I said. Oh, no. Yeah. How close did you live to Mothman country? (laughs) (laughs) You've heard of Lovecraft country, but now. Right. Lovecraft country, (laughs) back country, you know, all these different countries. And I I wanted to know if she was. And she said Point Pleasant's on the other side of the state. It's like five hours away. And I said, damn it. (laughs) Because I was really hoping that I'd be able to pull in some like. You know, first person Mothman experience. And then again, just keep in mind, everybody, that my daughter is gone and I have a plethora of like free time and freedom that I wouldn't usually have. So there was a part of me that was like, what <laughs> you if said that real weird? Well, the next thing the next thing I'm about does, to say is like, is super yeah, dumb. I literally was like, what if I went to Point Pleasant this morning And like took pictures and stuff and then stayed in a hotel and podcasted from Point Pleasant about the Mothman prophecies. Honestly, I would support that and I would ask that I would, can I meet you there? (laughs) If you (laughs) ever want to do a road trip to Point Pleasant, I am 100% on board with that idea. Oh my God, please. Because I want to take my boyfriend, but he... He isn't as into it as I do when I want to go for the Mothman Festival, which was canceled this year because, you know, damn it, COVID. <laughs> COVID ruining my hopes and dreams. I want I have so many like East Coast weirdity stuff that I want to do. First of all, again, near near Point Pleasant, there's apparently a shit ton. But I also want to go to Centralia, Pennsylvania. You know? Yeah. What, what's, what's there? What is that? Michael, don't you? Oh, great. Anyway, I'm not going to I'm not going to belittle anyone for not knowing this. Whoa, Centralia, what? Pennsylvania is the town that inspired uh, Silent Hill. Oh, oh OK. All right. It's like an eternal fire burning underneath of it. And it's just like super abandoned and creepy. Yeah, it is nice. fucking awesome. 
and I want to go there and I want to take pictures. Is it is it hot? It is What's not safe. I don't think it's like, you know, your feet are going to melt to the uh, the asphalt, but there's like carbon monoxide seeping up through cracks in the road. Whoa. Yeah, you sh- it's not like a good place to go, but it's still a place I'd like to go. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's pretty much how I feel about well, no it. No cigarettes around that area. Or carbon monoxide? Carbon. Car- Bill was asking if carbon monoxide would light a cigarette. No, no is, if, is it, if it was flammable. Oh, <laughs> oh. Joke, no cigarettes around that area. <laughs> yes. But then, yeah. Someone set okay. you straight on that, right? Uh, I did, myself. Okay, good. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, man. Okay. Uh, have, have we run out of wind? I feel like I feel like our sail was set for, like, North America, maybe I don't know. Uh, is, is, am I saying this right? And what? and we what? let landed in the Indies instead. Where did we start, Bill? Are, are you doing I, Columbus Day joke? We started in like a whole other dimension. Yeah. That's, that's a Columbus Day joke. Yeah. Oh. It's Indigenous People Day now, though, because he's. A... I, I know, I know, but like Columbus is still part of that, right? Whether we like him or not. I I don't know how to answer that in a way that's not offensive to someone. <laughs> like it could be offensive to white people it could be offensive to indigenous peoples it could be offensive to italian americans so i'm just not going to touch it i'm just not going to go there (laughs) too much i I think white people need a thicker skin i think you can offend white people without any problem (laughs) i offend white people constantly (laughs) it's the italians that i'm afraid of They're so mad about the Columbus Day thing. It's it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Are they really? Yes. Yes. There was like because a, a it's, super it's around. Well, so so it's here's the deal. One, like, no one in America gave a shit about Christopher Columbus for the longest time until Italian Americans decided to seize on to that like quote unquote footnote in history in order to try to turn public opinion more towards them. Because I don't know if y'all remember this, but people used to fucking hate Italians and it worked. And so there is a section of the Italian American population that still views Christopher Columbus as, uh, you know, a a beacon, a, uh, a figurehead for their movement. A movement that at the time was very much focused on getting nativist Americans, not native Americans, I will definitely specify, but nativists to accept immigrant populations. Gotcha, gotcha. So Christopher Columbus was initially seized upon by Italian Americans and others of European descent as a means of gaining acceptance into America. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And the, the, the tide has shifted, obviously. Speaking of Italian Americans, they made up the almost all of the nearly 367 men and children who were killed in that mining disaster that I mentioned. Whoa. Wow. (laughs) That's some heady shit. Yeah. Official death toll is 360 something, but due to inadequate record keeping, the true death toll could be around 500. Jesus. Yes. And you did not hear me wrong. There were children there because it was 1907 and uh, children are good at mining. Yes. They're literally called miners. I mean. (laughs) Oh, what? No, that's not right. That's not that's not the reason, Bill. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, yes. Too much. Too On, much. Too too much. Too late in this podcast. In in the name you of both Christopher points. Columbus Day and Indigenous People Today, we have talked about Italian American immigrants being killed by a careless mining company. We have talked about uh, Native Americans being betrayed by European settlers and cursing the land. And we've also talked about closet uh, coitus, closet coitus, which is a betrayal of everyone. Um, and also, we've <laughs> talked about the Mothman, Men in Black, high strangeness, cryptids to a point, but they're not super involved in this particular aspect of weirdity. So is maybe this is gonna open a can of worms? Yes, do it. <laughs> is so is Mothman? <laughs> A cryptid, is John Mothman. Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> of the West Virginia Mothmans. <laughs> the sports team. My soccer team. <laughs> if you thought the Washington Redskins were bad, wait till you meet the Minnesota Mothman. <laughs> Holy That's shit. their minor league baseball team. Minor. <laughs> minor. Oh. <laughs> their minor, minor league. It's baseball players who are all comprised of children who work in mines. Oh, no. Oh, my. You just, you just really went there, huh, Brian? Yep, I just... just <laughs> really dug deep like those soot-covered children. Oh, how high are the fences? I gotta know. Six feet? I don't know. I mean, you know, I gotta I got know how, how you count a home run. It's gotta go over the fence, right? Go, you don't know. It's the length more than the height, I think, that really makes a home run. Mm. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. I will say, just because just we're talking about minor league baseball teams with awesome names, the Bowie Bay Sox, uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, but minor league baseball has a Hispanic outreach effort where they like will transform their teams into um, Hispanic oriented teams. So they'll use like Spanish names and everything. And uh, the Bowie Bay Sox turn into the Cangrejos Fantasmas, the ghost crabs. (laughs) So so, so uh, it's the best. I need one of their baseball caps. My, my favorite uh, thing that I've run across recently and I want to buy a t-shirt of them. Uh, there is a minor league baseball team. Uh, I ran across this because I was looking at some uh, items in Under Armour, uh, some shirts for a team that I like, and I ran across this randomly. There are There is a minor league baseball team called the Rocket City Trash Pandas. <laughs> this, is, this is real. And if you think of what a trash panda is, and Rocket City combined might like look like in terms of like a uh, so it's a raccoon uh, a riding a, the a space shuttle. Is her- no, it's a trash can. It's a trash can. Yes, it is. What? That's also a rocket. It's a Rocket City trash panda, and it's what? it's logo or mascot is a astronaut that is a trash panda. Like oh, it's a it's a raccoon. If you do not know what a trash panda is. It's a raccoon. Right, it's a raccoon that raccoon. is wearing a a trash can both as a rocket and as armor. Yeah. Or is it just yeah. flying is, in the trash can? 
I don't know. I don't. Okay, I like okay. the armor version better because his tail's definitely hanging out the back. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm just making sure you're looking at the picture as well. Yes, yeah, I am. Uh, this is this is definitely a thing. Uh, I think <clears throat> they they have like a full line of apparel, and uh, unfortunately, the size of the apparel. I wanted the logo. I want the logo, logo, <laughs> logo, and the shirt that I want isn't in. Doesn't have that logo, so I was very disappointed by by them not trying to get my money so yeah you know what i will say is i love the name but the art the main logo kind of looks like calvin peeing on everything like i can't stop he's got too much tude for you (laughs) the raccoon's got too much of a rude tude (laughs) oh no come on man yep 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 the Calvin <sighs> peeing. It's got, they got the same fucking uh, expression too. That like mischievous. Uh, aren't I a stinker for peeing on shit? Like <laughs> that's like um. I think I, whenever I think of that, I think of this video game that no one else knows about called Awesome Possum. No, okay. I don't know that. It's one. like a re- oh wow. They, it, they have a shirt that says 2020. And then underneath it, it says just trash. And one of the zeros is the rocket panda. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome possum is like a, it's like the captain planet ripoff of Sonic the Hedgehog. Nice. Yes. Anyway, but he had a rude dude and he was all about recycling. Um, what are we, why are we? Uh, I don't <laughs> how did, get how did Mary that. Beth start laughing again? What did we do this time? But he t- but he had a thing about recycling, and I don't know what that set me off. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. It's like the I bad boy of recycling. No, but how do you have a rude dude and be about recycling? Like, if you're about recycling, your rude dude's pretty fake. Like, let's be honest. So only cool kids don't recycle is what <laughs> Michael's yes. saying. If you recycle, you're a, you're a I don't even I can't think of a PC term for the concept that I want to put across. Um uh final minor league baseball team. My my sister and brother-in-law live in Macon and they constantly go to like I think it's the co- local college baseball and it's um the Macon Bacon. <laughs> That's worse. Yes. Um, oh no! They have they have a a 2020 schedule shirt, and it says on the front, "Mission aborted." I have okay, the same exact one. I was like, I'm obsessed with these fucking t-shirts. Like these are so the, okay. funny. Yeah, these are much better than what they were when I ran across this the first time last year. <laughs> they they have improved their game. I'm definitely gonna buy one of these. <laughs> Okay. Um, I I am I am curious again as as Mothman expert, uh, Mary Beth. Are, are there any other aspects of the Mothman? Wait, nobody is... answered my fucking question. Oh, wait, what was your question? I laugh, laughing when I said Mothman. Uh, I don't even. Did we hear your question, or did oh, yes, we just? I forgot did we just start question. dunking on you? Fuck y'all. Um, uh okay so is mothman a, a cryptid uh, is that the same is that in that category oh god this is a pandora's box <laughs> yeah um uh um i'm letting so, you go mary beth first this I is just, i'm trying to think of how to word it so 
Okay, Mothman in his like origin, if you read the Mothman prophecies and you kind of take what Keel says, he doesn't seem to be a cryptid. However, there are also theories about Bigfoot being a trans-dimensional creature. So perhaps cryptids are all just trans-dimensional creatures. Yes, I don't 100%. Know. That's like one that's 100% a theory that's out there about why you can't find a lot of these creatures is because they live in other dimensions and they just pop in and out of reality. Right. It's it's um, like it's like their reality in, entering our reality is like a weird staticy radio signal. So they're not hiding. They're just not actually from here. So it's 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 difficult. Uh, this mainly applies to Sasquatch for some reason, um, extraterrestrials and, and UFOs, which um, uh, if, for whatever reason, they, they called them UFOs on or UFOs on the, the Coast to Coast episode that I listened to. And it made me so mad. What, what's I feel like UFO? you just said a slur. Like I, I feel like we should apologize immediately. I apologize for not saying clearly UFO, but saying UFO or UFO. It is it is a terrible thing, and I am upset that they made my brain even make that connection. But yeah, so it it it's almost like the more you get into cryptid conspiratorial Fordian thought, um. The more you you say Freudian, I think you're saying Freudian. (laughs) That's a Freudian slip. (laughs) No, it's a Fordian. Fordian slip. Come on. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um. Yes. So when you when you get into that, what you what you begin to learn is that the 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 rabbit hole never ends. Um. First, you have to open your mind to the concept that there could be creatures out there that we have not discovered yet and you can do that in a basic biological zoological way but then you have to start digging even deeper um you know because it's possible for you to think like oh the men in black are just like a government agency nasa's trying to cover up the existence of aliens but then again the further down you go the more you can peel back the layers of accepted reality and bring up the the madness really like the the true uncertainty of of the universe and the the corporeality of reality so like is the mothman a cryptid as mary best said is a, is a difficult thing to answer because it is possible that all cryptids are in some way transdimensional beings of varying levels of intelligence uh of of sentience you know so yeah. like the chupacabra could be like a rabid coyote from dimension X, whereas Mothman is like, you know, a, a an even better human from dimension Y. Yeah. And a lot of the time, like, so <clears throat> to give this some context, I used to work on a show called Finding Bigfoot and I learned so much. And that's how I got into cryptids because I was like obsessed, like, with these people and what they believed in and like the various theories. And I didn't buy into most of them, but it was really fun and cool to hear about it. And so there's a lot of talk about how also like 
again, Sasquatches can also be related to UFOs, and Mothman is considered part of UFOs. So there's all, like it depends on like your theory, your their theory of thought. Really, I think there's different sections of like the paranormal, cryptozoology world that have different thoughts and feelings. Like I know that with Bigfoot, there's some people that think he is an alien, like they're alien form. Some people that think they're actual biological ape creatures. I mean, it just kind of mm-hmm. depends on where you are in the fields, which is absolutely bananas that this is a serious field and people believe that and it's amazing. So it's it's great. <laughs> What, so finding Bigfoot, that's the, the, the TV show, right? Yes. And how now I'm just gonna ask for your whole biography. <laughs> how did you start working on finding Bigfoot? And when did you start working on finding Bigfoot? So I worked on it. Um, I was the social media and digital producer for the show. So I worked at Animal Planet for two years. Is that what brought and, you to Silver Spring? Yeah, actually it is. <laughs> yeah, because Discovery's there. That's amazing. Yeah. So I worked for Animal Planet for two years and I, so they always gave Finding Bigfoot to the new person on the team and they were not, ex- they were not expecting me to be obsessed with it. <laughs> so it's like the obituaries desk of the Discovery Communications is Finding Bigfoot. Yes. That's amazing. And I relish in it for many year not many years but like for as long as I was on it I was obsessed with it and I loved doing it and I even went bigfooting for a live event for the show oh my god I mean in Potomac Maryland Brian in Potomac Maryland (laughs) you didn't even go to like Oregon no because I got connected Matt Moneymaker who is the leader of the BFRO um Bigfoot Research Organization connected me with yeah I know all about the BFRO yeah, um, I was doing it for Brian, not for Brian, God, for Bill and for Michael. Um, but basically, he hooked me up with like one of the only Maryland um, Bigfooters and the only one to have captured evidence of Bigfoot in Maryland. It also has captured audio of them singing, apparently. Yes. Oh, boy. I can send that audio to you. I actually can send that audio to you. Please 100% send that audio to me. <laughs> we are we are a audio podcast, so. That'll just be our entire next episode is me playing that audio and going nuts over it. I'll find it. I'm totally making a mental canon that you were too into Bigfoot that they're like, all right, you can't work on this anymore. We got to shift her to one of our whale shows because she's just getting way too into Bigfoot right now. <laughs> they they were honestly like a little bit weirded out that I was so into it. <laughs> They're like, you're the first person who has really thrown themselves into this assignment. I'm like, because it's great. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Again, the same kind of reaction that would happen if you did that on the obituary desk. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I'd like to thank Finding Bigfoot and the BFRO for getting me invested in cryptids. Yeah, you don't hear a lot about like East Coast Bigfoots. They're really like a more like a like, you know, North American rainforest kind of thing. They're apparently been reported in every single state. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that the concept of them being a sort of transdimensional entity rather than a like, you know, sustained uh, native population is kind of catching on. Weird. Okay. So, Michael, does that answer your question? <laughs> Regarding the cryptid nature of Mothman? I mean, like, sure. Sure. 
<laughs> Finding Bigfoot was good. I preferred Monster Quest because I do kind of just like all the monsters, you know? Yeah, and they're like, the 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 point that was often made and I agreed with was like, have they been looking for him for eight seasons? Why haven't they found him yet? Um, <laughs> which like, I get. So, and they always like thought that, you know, it's like all those other ghost hunter shows or like monster shows. Like, oh, we think we caught some evidence, but not actually. My favorite were the digital, um, the, the CGI recreations of Bigfoot's running across the road. Oh, yeah. I love those. They're so bad, but they were so good. <laughs> I mean, I want to see that. <laughs> that was like in Monster Quest. They do that every now and then. Just like yep. some weird digital thing. It's like, you know, just uh, just. No, just let my mind do it. It's better at this than you are. <laughs> so who's in this image of the coast to coast with AM? Because it, it looks like Ben Stiller's dad. Uh, Jerry Stiller? Yeah, it's either George Nori or Art Bell, I have to assume. Okay. I think it's George Nori. Do, do y'all agree? Maybe? Kind of? Just in uh, this image, George Nori looks a, l- a little bit like what you would say Ben Stiller's dad would be. Okay, Art Bell. Mm. I don't know. Wait, Bill, did you send it over Skype? Can I just look at this? Yeah, that's uh, oh, no. Okay. Michael sent it, so that's what I'm looking at. I'm just seeing more trash stuff. <laughs> oh, I think that might be Keel. Gotta, gotta go. Up. I don't know. Don't call our podcast trash, even if it's. <laughs> I just keep seeing more trash panda fucking t-shirts on our Skype chat. All right. Um, Mary, Mary Beth McAndrews, you again, our Mothman expert. You read the book. You've seen the movie. You now you had seen this movie before we decided to do this podcast, right? Because you opened this with, I don't like this movie. And I was like, uh-oh, what have we done? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure that we didn't like make you watch something that you hated. Um, oh, no, absolutely not. I agreed to talk about it because I watched it for my cryptid column. And also, I want any excuse to talk about Mothman and High Strangeness. So, Well, you found it. You found, found like the, one, the one movie podcast that would just hand over. How long have we been talking now? Two like hours two and, and ten hours. minutes. <laughs> Plus like the 15 minutes of pre-roll. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about specific to either this case or anything even tangentially related to this case? Like, you know, American soccer league teams? <laughs> no, um, no. I think the one thing I would like to I like to think about with Mothman is it's so funny that all of a sudden it's become like a TikTok thing. Yes. And how all of a sudden, like, everyone loves Mothman. And I always I'm like. I love that he's become this like adorable figure that the queer community has latched onto, and also just a lot of people find comforting and sweet. Like I have a pin on my wall right now of Mothman wearing thigh high stockings and wearing heels. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen so, plushy Mothman. I mean, the, yeah, the big it, <laughs> you you obviously then recognize the song that I played at the beginning of this from TikTok. I couldn't. So I tried not to laugh because I was dying because it's like my favorite. I do it all. I go Mothman all the time in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the best. The, one of the first videos I saw on TikTok was a person who does professional wood burning. And it was like, you know, the the, 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 the fan, he, like, you know, you, you burn wood and you make like pictures in the wood through the burning. You, you know, Bill. Gotcha. Yes. It's not like someone whose uh-huh. job is to throw logs on a fire. 
Well, I, I thought it was creative wood burning, so I I was really curious. <clears throat> But yeah, so it was the so. YNCA fanfare and I was like, oh, what are they? I don't like, you know, I was still new to TikTok. I didn't understand how things worked on there yet. I was just like, what the shit am I watching right now? And then it's like all close ups. And then when it said Mothman, it pulled back and the person had wood burned a Mothman. And I said to myself, I belong here. And um, it's yeah. been slowly consuming my life ever since. I'm a little worried you're saying I belong here to TikTok, but I'm gonna let it go. I will, yeah, I don't know. It's There's parts of TikTok that I don't <laughs> belong on, like a uh, bi pirate TikTok, I feel like isn't 100% for me. Yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. I mean, like, what? <laughs> Wait, what, Michael? Did you say bi pirate? Yeah. Is that like steampunk? No, it's 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 literally Uh, bisexuals who dress up as pirates. What is what is hard to understand about this? What? How do they identify as bisexuals? Are because they like like women and men? I guess. No, but are they like uh, embracing uh, people of the same (laughs) gender? Like I'm I'm confused. Like why you so so TikTok like all other social medias when you have your little bio you give your pronouns and you say what your sexuality is and there's just a bunch of I'm gonna call them primarily women there's a bunch of bi women on TikTok who uh, dress up like pirates. You're still making that sound like it's not. A strange thing to come out of your mouth. Oh, it's the stupid... Why the fuck... What world am I living in where it's a thing that I have to see and know about? But, like, I embrace it. I'm not saying that TikTok is, like, gonna save the world, but it's happening, and I'm aware of it. Well, now I sound intolerant towards by pirates, and that's not it. They sometimes prefer to be called pirates, by the way, so just keep that in mind. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What are we doing? Mary Beth is on TikTok. She can back me up. She knows what I'm talking about. Pirates? Yeah. Buy pirate TikTok. There's kink talk. There's there's a whole bunch of talks. Kink talk. There is kink talk. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of sub communities. Yeah, it's okay. like, it's f- especially funny because like people know that what you like and what you like watch most influences what shows up on your for you page. So my favorite thing that people will do is like, you know, you'll be scrolling through your For You page and someone will have a video that's like, if I'm on your For You page, like, how's your incredible clinical depression, substance abuse problems and <laughs> and suicidal ideation going? And I'm just like, wow, yeah, you get me. <laughs> wait, wait, what about something about Terrence Malick? You forgot something about I would, Terrence You know, I, I don't, Terrence talk, I've got to make it. <laughs> Malick talk? Could I do that? Oh. Malik talk, Malik talk, like like one word, Malik talk. Yeah, like TikTok, but it's Malik talk. Oh God, that doesn't sound correct. No, that's why you really got to lean into the fact that Malik is at the front of it. Malik talk, (laughs) Malik talk. Maybe Terrence talk is a better one. (laughs) I think Terrence talk is (laughs) right. So I don't know how I'm going to do it. I guess I'll just uh, put a wide angle adapter on the front of my phone and just spin around, and that'll be. I'll put the aquarium by Sassan on there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Anyway. um, Beautiful. Yes. So Mary Beth, so happy that you were able to come here so that we could talk about cryptids, men in black, 
uh, mad, crazy Fordian thought, uh, high strangeness, and TikTok. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It has been an absolute joy. This has just been a way for me to exercise all the stuff that I usually just get laughed at for on this. I'm here for you. That's great. Um, and <laughs> tune in for the coming ongoing adventures of Mary Beth and Brian exploring the weirdness that is within reasonable driving distance of Washington, <laughs> D.C. <laughs> oh, I'm not boy. kidding. I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I've already said that I would do it. So I'm, I'm on board. Which of us has the cool. better car? I don't have a car, so you. So it's me. I win. All right, great. <laughs> All right. Uh, any anyone else have any final thoughts to lay down about the Mothman prophecies, either the book, the movie, or the prophecies that were given to us by the Mothman? I have one last question. It's not going to be a big one. Why is why is there also such an emphasis on blacking out and not remembering things? Is that something that's oh, characterized? Boy, Michael, you don't know about lost time. Oh God. Um, you said this wasn't gonna. Did you do? You said this wasn't re- gonna lead to in something. Relation, in relation to UFO abductions, I have heard that term. Right. Well, so That's the question about- again, then, if you tie everything, if you're able to correlate in your mind that aliens, Mothman, uh, cryptids, Men in Black, and all of these other, you know, Fordian paranormal, you know, hypernormal phenomena are not not intertwined then you can kind of uh, allow yourself to view what you would usually just see as a ufo abduction thing as being possibly the side effects of any sort of interaction with one of these creatures (laughs) i should have brought it i should have brought a coke with me (laughs) (laughs) we should have started recording this at four in the afternoon (laughs) because it is 10 30 and I am very glad no one is in this house to hear me talking like this. <laughs> he said before publishing this on the internet. <laughs> I'm going to say, woo! Child Protective Services is coming right now. <laughs> well, your kid's not there, so they can't really take any Correct. So. She is presently in Houston, <laughs> Texas, and she does not miss me at all. My mother, no, my father sent me a photograph because he knows how much I love Whataburger. Uh, Bill, you know what Whataburger is, right? Yeah, Whataburger. Yeah. What a burger. Uh, Whataburger rules. And uh, so he sent me a picture to like rub in my face that my daughter was having Whataburger while I'm stuck up here with McDonald's. Oh. And they've let her Sorry. have chicken tenders, french fries, and a chocolate milk. And I was just like, she's <laughs> never coming back to me. <laughs> she will refuse to board the plane. And I won't blame her. I'll be like, yeah, I get it. I saw the picture. You're living a better life there. I'm sorry if you cannot hear my kitten who has burst into the room and is going just over and over again. Oh, I wish I could hear that. Um, There's a great episode of this here program where uh, we had to stop a trailer. I think it was Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, yeah. Where uh, like I, we, I had just gotten a kitten and it was in the room with me and it just like bit my foot in the middle of playing the trailer. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we 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 got experience with cats fucking shit up on this podcast. Uh, let's uh, let, we gotta stop talking. We gotta get out of yeah, here. Probably, yeah, I do have to work tomorrow morning, I guess. But eh. it's remote, right? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, fuck it. Sleep with the computer. Wake up. Open it immediately. You're already in the office. Anyway. I don't do that. Let's uh, get out of here. We are brought to you again by our fine patrons. Go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. Um, join our Slack channel where maybe we'll make a special Slack channel channel for cryptids and paranormal shit. And we'll see who goes in there and loses Ooh. their mind. Ooh. We are also brought to you by Mubi, the uh, streaming cinema where every day their curators bring you a brand new thing to watch and enjoy. You can get that by going to mubi.com slash filmstage, mubi.com slash filmstage. Oh boy, I think that's it. Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next? <laughs> I think we're going to be talking about Martin Eden, which is based on a Jack London novel. And I know very little about it. But I feel like our, going uh, from but, Mothman to a Jack London novel is just going to be whiplash. Mm-hmm. it's possible I mean, we'll, we'll be back to the horror beat still this this month though as, oh, as we yeah. already hinted um can we announce that we can say that we're gonna do another scary movie that's a classic episode but we're not gonna give uh specifics yet okay i would also maybe say that if you were part of the slack it was announced there but all, you, all, all, all of you freeloaders, though, Patreon exclusive. <laughs> the rest of you will have to wait until you actually like get to listen to the episode. If you yeah. say Patreon exclusive, though, you know you have to say it in a certain voice. You got to be like Patreon exclusive. Do, uh, yes. do you want me? Do you want me to try that right now? Yes. Yes. Go to patreon.com slash the film stage show for Patreon exclusive content, like learning about who's going to be on the show next, channels about politics and cryptids, and a whole lot more. Again, that's patreon.com slash the film stage show. Tune in for our special sports section created by Michael Snydell. (laughs) So wait, how did I do? Was that the voice you were looking for? That was like used car salesman. Uh, no, that was perfect. I'd like doing... that. Oh, God. I feel like used car I, salesmen I are a little like more cokey manic. I, yep, well, <laughs> you didn't hear yourself. <laughs> I Yeah, that's true. No, I mean like car salesmen are like, come down to Martin and Andy's. Blah, blah, blah. We got oh, Ford Tauruses. We got Ford Rangers. Ford <laughs> Why no. did you make me do this? We're supposed to be ending this. Mary Beth has to work in the morning. I I I know. You keep going. I'm not enabling this anymore. I'm longer. fucking tired and you know when I get tired I get punchy and when I get punchy I do bits. <laughs> no bits. Double the bits. <laughs> Brian needs his cigarette. <laughs> Let's get out some, of here. I need some water. <laughs> That's what I need. I'm like I'm Ooh, I got heated about Mothman and now I'm thirsty. <laughs> I didn't bring any water in here. You got I thirsty for have... Mothman and now you're heated. That works in both directions. I only have my sake. That's all I have. It's empty. It's you gone. are drinking sake while doing this episode? Briefly, <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the start, before I ate my pizza. That's why you were able to so quickly latch on, because again, you opened the doors of perception. 
<laughs> Got that third eye going. Meanwhile, Let's sober's go. a priest, Michael Snydell over there is just like, well, is he a cryptid? Are there only one of him? Mothman? <laughs> Okay, anyway, so let's uh, tell the five people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we're fucking speaking insanely into their ears. We begin, as always, with our guest, Mary Beth McAndrews. Where can people find your stuff online? You can follow me at MB McAndrews on Twitter. That is where all of my things go up. I write for a variety of places across the internet, mostly about horror movies and cryptids. So, you know, you know what you're getting into. And I also co-host a podcast called Scarred for Life, where my co-host Terry and I talk to people in the horror community about the films that scared them as kids. So give that a listen. Um, we just hit our one year anniversary, so we're super pumped about that. So why not listen to us and give us a try? Are there any uh, recent or upcoming episodes of that that you would like to plug specifically? Yeah. Um, so our most recent episode was our anniversary episode. Before that, we talked to Brandon Cronenberg about Possessor. And what? he was a delight. Oh, nice. We talked about Possessor, his film, and also Poltergeist. So I would definitely um, check that out. And we have episodes come out every Monday. And we'll, we don't reveal them until they go up. But you can check out our backlog and there's some amazing interviews with like um, Brenton and Cronenberg, like I said, uh, Amy Simetz. Um, oh, nice. So, you know, a bunch of cool directors from the past year. So give it a look. Did you ask about his dad or did you avoid it? Oh, we were literally <laughs> told by the press notes to avoid any kind of discussion about his, his family connections. <laughs> so you couldn't even ask, like, was this typical of the type of stuff that you watched growing up? So actually, so if you listen to the podcast, um, which I'm definitely going to know, we talked to him about like his childhood and we like tried to avoid like we were like, we want to talk to you about your childhood. This is what the podcast is about. But we also don't want to be like, to watch a lot of horror movies because of your dad. But apparently we didn't watch <laughs> a lot of horror movies and we got we didn't we got to talk about that without mentioning his dad. So he didn't well, actually like horror that much. <clears throat> I feel like this is maybe a Lynch situation where he's like a very normal dude, but just makes really fucked up movies. <laughs> That's kind of what it sounded like. I don't know how true that is, but the vibe I got, he was like, they're like, yeah, we lived in this nice house with a little tree in front of it. I'm like, I bet the guy was just like so normal and just had like the imagination of a sociopath. There was like an inside out deer on the front lawn and <laughs> just like kind of blood pouring from the gutters in one spot. There was a bathroom where, like, you know, the mirror showed you what you truly are. Um. Anyway, so that's awesome. <laughs> Check that out. <clears throat> what about um, Bill Graham? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me in West Virginia, motherfuckers, uh, on uh, Instagram at Billstagram. Uh, I uh, will also, as soon as I get or, get it in the mail i will proudly display and take some pictures and sit in the slack channel of my uh new trash panda t-shirt uh i, I sent that exclusive to y'all on the on the skype channel just now so i can i can peep that that'll be another uh, patreon exclusive <laughs> oh yes <laughs> all right Fantastic. Um, also, I think that the first episode of whatever we do about like looking for random shit in the East Coast, first episode has to be named I'll See You in West Virginia, Motherfucker. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> Great. See, this partnership is already bearing fruit. Michael Snydell. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at at Snydell. Uh, I write things occasionally. Uh, if I get a screener in time, I'm supposed to write about the secrets we keep this week with Joel Kinnaman and Naomi Rapace. Rapace? Rapace. 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 Yeah. Rapace? Yeah. Uh, like a carapace. Way, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, oh, Amy Seibitz is actually in that as well, right, randomly. Um, and I don't think it was random. I think she was cast in it and, you know, showed up. Uh, well, fuck <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, not, I, fuck off, Brian, not, not the listeners. Uh, if any listeners would like to join our weekly cinephile things, uh, at this point, we, we have kind of a regular rotation of about six, seven people. But um, I am continuing to say anyone can join and we've had multiple strangers join in past <laughs> weeks and they have all been lovely uh none of them have done anything horrifying and please don't <laughs> you haven't gotten any like as... racist nazi zoom bombing type of stuff no well, that's oh, good God, why did you put that into the world anyway, i'm sorry you i made like, a talpa if you would <laughs> If you would like to join the cinephile uh, game, uh, our own Bill Graham has actually been on it one week. Yeah. I might pretend it exists sometime. Uh, I but, have a child. Yeah. You guys do stuff you, too you early. You don't have a child right now. Fuck I off. don't have. I'm going to uh, be there. I She left last uh, Thursday. I'll come this week. Jesus. Uh, all right. All right. You can DM You're worse me than the IRS. <laughs> Mary Beth, if you would like to come on, you can also come on and, like us, immediately forget everything you've ever known about movies, ever. Um, But, yeah, Brian, you made me lose my train of thought. But, yeah, DM me at Snydell if you want to join that uh, on Twitter. Oh, boy. Um, as for me, uh, you can see me losing my mind ranting about high strangeness by pirate TikTok and other such Bye. things. <laughs> not those two. That is not a single thing. High strangeness, <laughs> comma, by pirate TikTok, comma, and oh. other things. Uh, on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan. Of course, you can find my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. Don't forget, Schmidt Spirits, uh, if you want to get wasted, uh, we're a good alcohol to drink to do that. So, uh, SchmidtSpirits.com. And, of course, you can find me at Brian J. Rowan on all the social media, and you can find my stuff at FilmStage.com, where you can also find every episode of this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs>